Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Double Oz Seven. My name is Roger, and what an illuminating time it is to be with you on this fine day or evening, depending on where you're listening. You are tuned in to an episode commentary on such an illuminating episode, and I've been invited here to introduce it and introduce you to your favouritest host of Double Oz Seven. His name is Ben. Ben, have an illuminating day, my friend. Oh, Roger, thank you. Yes, wow. What a surprise cameo appearance as we welcome you to episode 49 of Double Oz 7. And the impersonations are still quite shit. And uh, yes, a view to a kill commentary. We are finally into Roger Moore and sadly... Uh, one of our Oslets, uh, Oslets, uh, Bondlets. I don't even know what the hell a Oslet is. I've never heard of that term before. Download SurvivorOz.com. Uh, he's not here, who loves Roger, but we'll get to that in just a moment. I don't know what I'm saying. My name is Ben, and as that random person said a few minutes ago, it's illuminating to have you here. And I'm Paula Ivanova, and here's your co-host tickling my Tchaikovsky. <laughs> and I'm Colin. Tickling the Tchaikovsky. <laughs> oh, we need to plan these things out better. <laughs> wow. Um, yes, uh, we are thrilled to be here for another commentary. And uh, yeah, sadly, Noah not here again. He's off doing girls. He's being James Bond again. He's in Europe with women. Yes. That is clearly what he's doing. Um, but... He loves Roger, and we are here to share the Roger love today. Uh, a View to a Kill, the only James Bond movie where an elderly senior citizen is playing the role of everybody's favourite secret agent. I'm excited for this because I actually like this movie, and again, I think we established at the end of our last commentary, I think, Colin, I was the only one who liked this movie. Yeah, and you, we did mention, yeah, I think you moved it down in your rankings later on, but... I, at the time when you put this up there, that was like the first of what would become many absurd rankings from Ben. No. It started with this, and then all of a sudden, License to Kill, and <laughs> then Die Another Day. It's just it never ended, and eventually this moved down. But, I mean, as as much as I think I'm always critical of this movie, it's one that I always look forward to watching. Um, I think the only sadness I have is that I kind of was holding out hope that we could record this when we were 57, 58 years old, uh, just so we could fit in a little bit more with the star, but I mean, getting it out of the way a few decades earlier is okay. Um, this will still be a fun commentary, and uh, there's a lot to criticize in this movie, but there's also a lot of really absurd but hilarious stuff. This is, yeah, this is one that I always look forward to, and I mean, I always forget kind of come the 80s that there's a couple of uh, Roger Moore films before this one. I always kind of think like, ah, oh, for your eyes only, if you do it, oh, right, there's that one called Octopussy in the middle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is one, this is one of the, I think this could have even been after Moonraker, the, the next Roger Moore I saw. So like, I definitely saw a good collection of the Roger Moores there, but um, I'm excited. I mean, yes. you know, this is going to be fun. It's interesting you said that because I know I had seen Live and Let Die, but I probably wasn't familiar with Bond at the time. It was years earlier. When I started getting into the Bond movies, this was the first Roger Moore that I saw. And so the first time I saw this, I'm like, this movie's fantastic. It's got, like, uh, a blimp above the Golden Gate Bridge, and there's <laughs> snowboarding, and it was just, like, the coolest thing I'd ever seen. 
And having never seen Roger Moore before, I wasn't aware that Bond wasn't supposed to look like my grandpa. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it was once I saw the other ones and went back to this that my opinion changed a bit. But it was my introduction to Roger Moore, and I think I'm always fond of it just for that. Now, if you are tuning into a commentary for the very first time, welcome. Uh, basically, how this will work is, for some reason, you have decided to watch A View to a Kill with us talking over it. So, um, thank you for doing that. Uh, we will uh, tell you to queue up your copy of A View to a Kill, uh, basically at the MGM line. So, get that lovely, pretty-looking line on your screen, uh, just at the point where it's about to open its gob and go raw. And I will count you down in a few moments by saying three, two, one, illuminating, and you will press play, and then we will be able to enjoy this together. I want to send out a special note. Um, I did say in regards to, uh, we had a, a listener write in to say about the, um, the, the, they wrote, they wrote in, they wrote in, yeah, <laughs> Put like pen to paper. They did. They got my address. <laughs> Mr. Moore, uh, Roger, for some reason, was their name. But um, basically, they emailed in saying about why we might have been out of sync slightly in terms of the commentary. I think I brought that up slightly in On Her Majesty's Secret Service commentary, and I couldn't remember where it came from. Uh, Bryn Groves, I'm assuming that's some relation to Noah, uh, did email in eventually and basically said that... There was synchronization problems because Noah was watching the Region 4 version, you were watching the Region 1 version, and apparently, this is all technical here, so just bear with me, Region 1 is in NTSC format, which is 29.9 frames a second, and Region 4 is in PAL format, 25 frames a second, so therefore, there's slightly different uh, timing codes that are out, out of sync. So that's where, Colin... That's where it happened. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yeah. Now that people have listened to other of our commentaries since Dr. No, when Noah and I were out of sync, they're fully aware of the fact that Ben is not watching the <laughs> Region 4s and that his are probably pirated somewhere. Um, so. <laughs> We're in sync, but if you're out of sync, you are you have a legal copy from Australia, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm watching the lovely version brought to me by a torrent. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Hello to the government, if you're listening. My address is as follows. Um, <laughs> but yes, we're... we're you can get his address from Bryn Grove. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bryn. I appreciate it. Uh, I love the fact here that they've written... Um, I think it's been calculated that you can watch the same movie 96% of the time. Um, so, apparently in Australia, we watch movies quicker than you do in America and Canada. So, <laughs> that's how we roll. Anyway, let's get into this. Roger's waiting, Ben. Shut up. Let's get into it. Mm. Three, two, one. Illuminating. Illuminating. Now, I had to check, actually, before Never. we did this, that this... This writing that we're about to see now, uh, I thought, did that come before the line or after the line? But clearly, mm -hmm. hello, Zorin. And we went over that, didn't we? The fact that um, there was, what, a real company that got offended, so they had yeah. to put that out there. Oh, no, wait! Because didn't the real company actually have illegal doings at the same time or something? Uh, I don't remember anything about that. I do know that it was a real company. Um can, are they still around? I thought we found info. I'll, I'll find them. this. Like, I, I mean, again, the research that I've done is brilliant, so... <laughs> Keep talking. I'll find it. Those are real icebergs. There's some research for you. 
Ah, here we go. The disclaimer, neither the name Zorin or any other person, blah, 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 was added after producers discovered a real company known as Zorin Ladkorbic Limited. The industry was fashion design. There you go. Clearly what Roger's wearing right now. Well, it's a good thing they put that disclaimer on because a lot of people would have confused uh, some type of sociopath trying to use Silicon Valley technology and blow up California for fashion designers. Because clearly we're watching Zoolander. Yeah. Well, look at that fur hoodie he's got on there. It is pretty Zoolander. <laughs> now, is that better than the dressing gown from Honor Majesty? This is, you know, it's not often that you can compare 1969 to 1985 and the 1985 fashion is favorable, but I, I, I think Roger Moore is way more appropriately dressed than this. He's, his suit's a little, he's, he's a little bit too clean. Like, he's James Bond. Shouldn't it be a little bit, you know, dirtier? And I mean, he's just picked that up from QLab, clearly. I mean, it's brand it's... new. All to distract you from the sagging cheeks. <laughs> Every other part of him that's sagging. <laughs> I do love the music. And not just because we're about to get California yeah. girls. No, this was... Um, I think John Barry had one more score after this, Living Daylights. But I, I know a lot of people love the Living Daylights score. I'm not really as big of a fan of it. I, I always kind of look at this as like the last great... Thing that John Barry composed for Bond. Now he's in Siberia. Apparently, I'm just reading here. Now, I mean, Siberia is very diverse and big and empty. So, like, I mean, why do these people go to Siberia? I mean, what's in Siberia? Uh, Snow? S- snowboarding, <laughs> California girls. Lots of California girls there. <laughs> Uh, the opening shot where we saw a lot... Here's one thing that confused me. The opening shot, we saw a lot of people on skis and stuff like that. And when I was younger, at least, and now I may look at it a little bit differently, but I always assumed this was some type of ski resort <laughs> because you saw so many people. Or were those just a lot of these uh, these villains or these henchmen uh, all looking for Bond or something? I think they're just a it's, it's henchman resort. You know, it's advertised. Come to Siberia, yeah. <laughs> henchman resort. Where henchmen hang out. A little from column A, a little from column B. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine, again, we talked about this in other movies, like if that had just landed and stabbed Bond. Oh, movie over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One inch over. Here we go. And still not a mark on that snowsuit of his. Yep. Are we about to get California girls? (laughs) California girls. I love it. <laughs> people criticize it. I've had times where I've watched this, and I'm like, "Oh, that is so lame." But the majority of the time, it, it still makes me laugh a little bit. I just, I, mean, and I think that's the intention. I mean, these are war movies. Well, it can't. I mean, yeah, exactly. I was about to say this kind of signifies the Roger Moore era. Like, what sort <laughs> of era of Bond can we literally get? All of a sudden, let's hear some, you know, California girls or James Bond is just invented snowboarding. I mean, they did um, the the slide whistle in Man with a Golden Gun. There was, uh, I think, Lawrence of Arabia music in Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker. I think I might have had the Magnificent Seven or something. But this was kind of like the Bond tradition. Or Moonraker even had the uh, the the double take pigeon yeah. <laughs> orchestral piece. But it always has that moment where the music is meant to make you laugh. They're using something that's not typical in Bond, but they hadn't done that in For Your Eyes Only an Octopussy. So it's good that Moore gets to go out with one of his trademarks. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how we've talked about how, you know, 
after a really outlandish movie, you'll have like your serious one. We had that Moonraker for your eyes only. Then, you know, Octopussy was kind of, you know, I mean, they're just chasing after an egg, basically. And then you kind of have this. Mm. And then we go back to serious Bond, sort of with Living Daylights after this. So, yeah, like, yeah. they've gone out and let him have a bit of a cheesy one. I mean, is that what they did with Die Another Day? <laughs> <laughs> they always, that's that's how they get rid of actors. Like, yeah. Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan were locked into contracts. They just make a movie so bad that nobody wants them back and that they don't want to come back. So that's what happened with Spectre. That's why they went a little bit traditional <laughs> Bond. Go away, Daniel. Slice your wrists. Now, he's uh, Bond meeting up with his granddaughter. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) It is so weird to see him, though, because I feel like... I I mean, a lot of people are going to laugh at this statement, but I feel like Roger Moore aged really well just in terms that he did get older, but whereas most people, when you have a two-year gap in between movies, they're at least two years older. And Roger Moore, it always seemed to be a little bit slower than that. Like, you can't notice a big difference from Man with a Golden Gun to Spy Love Me or yeah. Moonraker to Fear Eyes Only or even up to Octopussy. You know, but there was just something that happened between the two years of Octopussy to this where he seemed to age 10 years in a two-year period, you know. Kind of like Natalie Portman did <laughs> in the last couple of years. <laughs> It's a good call. I mean, not Nellie Portman, but um, it's... Yeah, I mean, there, I think when we did this rewatch before we did our episode, it's like, he looks old, but there are certain moments in this film, you're like, okay, he doesn't really look that... Like, there, he didn't look that old there. But, like, I mean, I guess it's when he's... What, those, those fingernails unbuttoning his cleavage? No, yeah, exactly. Look at him go. His man boobs are popping out. I love... I love this intro. I love this song. I know you didn't really like this song, but... This... I think it I was, was the only one to talk about these credits, too, wasn't I? I think both of you hated these credits. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of it. I did like the Living Daylights more than this for the credits, so that was one thing that Dalton had. But it's funny with this song. I used to hate this song. I thought it was like, well, even in our uh, song ranking episode, I said, I still think this isn't like the greatest Duran Duran song. Um, And it maybe gets kind of like Christopher Walken. It gets credit because, oh, it's Duran Duran instead of, well, is it a great Duran Duran song? Is it a great Christopher Walken performance? But when we did the song rankings episode, it definitely grew on me to the point where there are parts of this song where if I get it in my head, it will be in my head for three days straight. Well, we'll have fun listening to this for the next three days. Um, I, I just want to quickly say, you don't picture me as the type of person who drives around listening to Duran Duran, but hey, sure, if that's what you do, good for you. Um, Wait a second. You drive around listening to Madonna and you think people are going to draw the line at Duran Duran? People think no, I'm gay, so... No, never listen to Duran Duran. Um, this came in at fifth overall um, on our list. I put it at four. I thought I put it higher than that. Where did Noah put it? He put it at five, and you had it at 12. Oh. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love this song. This is... Uh, you often talk about, like, oh, I can just listen to this outside of, you know, talking about James Bond. I, I mean, I can just put this on shuffle and forget it's a James Bond song, because I think it's a bloody good song either way. The only James Bond song to go to number one in the US. Which, really... And, again, this is where... I think sometimes when people talk about this being the biggest Bond song, the difference I think with that is that this was the first time they got, the whole reason Duran Duran was involved is they pitched themselves with this. They had somebody who was popular at that moment. It wasn't a singer from the past or somebody who was, like Shirley Bassey was not really the biggest star in music. 
even if she was a star, she wasn't the biggest star in 1964. Um, Nancy Sinatra wasn't the biggest star. And you get Louis Armstrong, we talk about well, maybe like 20 or 30 years earlier, he was the biggest star. But this was the first and maybe one of the only times they had the biggest group in the world doing a song at the time. So this hitting number one, it's almost like a given. It's kind of like how Sam Smith had Spectre go number one or whatever. In the UK. I don't know if it's so much a reflection. <laughs> yeah, but, but even still, it's not so much a reflection on the song and more, I think, on the artist. Because I think there are much better Bond songs. It's just this was the right group at the right time. I, I do love just this intro, just the fact that you've got the real 80s neon sort of things going on. I mean, where else can you have a naked girl skiing with neon streamers over her lady bits? Um, <laughs> my... my... <laughs> My objection with the skiing part, though, is that it, it, we've passed it now, but it doesn't look like she's skiing. It honestly doesn't even look like she's on a treadmill. It's just like she's moving her arms left to right, like <laughs> miming skiing. I was hoping we've got lasers coming out of his guns, too, before. Oh, he's Grandpa. He's back is from his... Is that you're at right now? Mission. No, I'm I'm into Bond walking in and seeing okay, the hat. Okay, picking up Money Penny's hat. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Granny Penny and Grandpa Bond. Here yeah, go. Granny Penny. <laughs> Oh, the last ever Lois. Oh. She just really, at this point, just, yeah. I think we talked about this last episode. That they kind of just look like friends, you know? like Yeah, exactly. Do we really want to well, um, whipping everything off that desk and having his way with her? No. <laughs> that's the problem at this point, is that you cannot have them even flirting because... Most people in the audience would be like, that's like watching my grandparents try to get it on, you know? They, they, even if they were just, like, the flirting of Sean Connery and Lois Maxwell and, like, From Russia with Love and Goldfinger, if we saw them even do that, it would make most people throw up. So here it is, just like, here, here's your hat, Money Penny. Make sure you've got your teeth as well. <laughs> is that that, We're not um... going to be getting into the granny panties in this uh... Money Penny panties. Cigars, cigars involved. <laughs> is is was that the little robot thing from um, Star Wars? You know, in the Death Star when they're walking around, that thing scares Chewbacca. Oh, is like that the same little robot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like this scene right now. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm the one who said I like this movie, but right now I'm just ripping shit into it. This is just like three old aristocratic British men talking shit. Like one of these doesn't even look like James Bond. It's like if you heard the Doctor No commentary, this is exactly the point where Noah blacks out and forgets where he is. <laughs> The other thing is, too, I think we talked about this when we've talked about Roger Moore. Roger Moore's older than Sean Connery's. <laughs> like, you know, what was Roger Moore in this film? Like, 57? So, Sean Connery's, like, 55. <laughs> you know, the original James Bond would have still been younger as Bond if he did this film. But that's where, where uh, I do say that Roger Moore aged well, because yeah. if you look at Roger Moore when he started in Live and Let Die, he, how many years older is he than Connery? Two years older. Okay, so he's two years old than Connery, so Live and Let Die is two years after Diamonds Are Forever. I think Roger Moore looks younger in Live and Let Die than Connery did two years earlier, at yeah. four years earlier in Diamonds Are Forever. I'd, I'd argue he looked younger in Live and Let Die than Connery did in You Only Live Twice, like seven years earlier. I think Roger Moore could almost in some parts look younger than Connery did not Never Say Never Again as well. And Oh, yeah, I, mean, I completely agree, yeah. I mean, you, you look at, though, like... Um, I mean, Daniel Craig is now at the same age that Brosnan was when he left Die Another Day. And, I mean, as much as I love, and we all love Pierce, clearly, 
But, um, you know, Daniel Craig at the same age looks a lot younger than Pierce did uh, in Die Another Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think one of the other things that they've done, and this is probably in a way to protect the actor from aging out, because Roger Moore got a lot of criticism at this point. He's too old to be doing it. And I remember after Die Another Day, even though people love Pierce Brosnan, and Die Another, people forget Die Another Day was pretty popular at the time. It was the right movie for 2000. Two, yeah, debatable. <laughs> um, not even debatable. It's decided, Ben. It's not. But um, the biggest complaint people had at the time, people weren't dying to have Pierce Brosnan back, yeah. even though they loved Pierce Brosnan, because they said, we don't want a guy who's going to be 49 or 50 years old when his fifth Bond movie comes out. But now they wouldn't complain about it with Daniel Craig, because what they did was they had Bond age throughout those movies, and that's the problem they ran into with Moore, is they still have him performing snowboarding stunts, and you're supposed to believe that a 57-year-old man is going to do this. If they handled him the way that they did in Spectre, where the hand's shaking, like in Skyfall, and it's acknowledging, you know, that he's in bad shape and everything, I think it works a lot better for Roger Moore continuing up to View to a Kill. Just quickly before I say, I was going to say, gotta, you know, move, come on, Flo, move your ass! (laughs) Oh, yeah! We sell money, Penny. Yeah, I mean, Roger Moore said... <laughs> Roger Moore said, famously, and again, we talked about this in our episode, you know, he said he decided to end his run as James Bond when he realised that Tanya Roberts' mother was younger than he was. Yeah. So the fact that, yeah, the main <laughs> Bond girl in this film's mum is younger than he is, mm-hmm. there's an issue there. <laughs> so... And God bless Roger. Like, I used to shit into Roger, and again, I've appreciated him a lot more since we've done this. Um... But and we've mentioned this a lot, and I'm, he might be the one we tweet in this episode because he's pretty much him and Pierce are the only real ones who have played Bond who still really are proud to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Roger, more so Roger. I mean Pierce does, but Pierce is still active. Roger's kind of just you know yeah. old and I mean older. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean he's still. You know, I know he recently went on a, another James Bond podcast recently and did an episode, and he does sort of this evening with Roger Moore where he talks about it. And just even looking at his Twitter page, he's he replies to a lot of fans who tweet him about it. So he's still very proud. And, and I, I know we've talked about this in episodes before. I, I respect these actors who play iconic roles, and they might be typecast for the rest of their lives, but the fact that they can, you know admit it and be happy that they did you know i mean do we ever assume daniel craig in 20 years time is going to be like oh i'm so happy i play james bond no he's probably going to be complaining about it whereas was roger moore embraces it and i really respect that from him that he does that and engages with the fans and especially he's the guy who followed sean connery and connery distanced himself a lot from bond throughout the 70s and the 80s and reached a point in the 90s, where he would simply say, I don't care what interview I'm doing, I'm not talking about Bond. Um, Roger Moore never did that. You know, throughout every decade, like after he left in the 80s, the 90s, you know, 2000s, he's always been the one guy that you could go to and you could ask him about Bond. And um, I don't know if I, I probably mentioned here, I might have even mentioned it last week, but uh, there's a, a local radio show and Roger Moore was doing some play here in Winnipeg. This is like in the mid 90s. And they had him on, and I was listening to that that morning as they had Roger Moore on the air. And then right at the end, I said, could you just say for us once, Bond, James Bond? 
And mm-hmm. like it, without even like skipping a beat, Roger Moore was like Bond, James Bond, like right in character <laughs> saying it. it, it he, that must be, how many times he's been asked to do this, and he had been gone from the role for over ten years at that point. I mean, it, he's just he's always loved the fans and loved the series. Yeah, and yeah, I I can't not dislike the guy for the fact that he does that. This is killer butterflies, isn't it? I love the fact yeah. that he's actually <laughs> suspicious. Like who? Like what a life James Bond has to live. Every time I go out to dinner, if there's flying butterflies, they could be killing someone. <laughs> Always on edge. You never know. I would love to see what he did in origami display or something. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we haven't mentioned that we're in France. France. <laughs> Which, th- this is great use of a location that I don't think we got with Living Daylights or License to Kill. There were some good locations in those movies, but... This is like putting Bond right in the middle of the most famous city in the world, and you yeah. get him interacting with like the Eiffel Tower and everything. I love all the Paris stuff. Well, this is this is where like I know we talked a little bit about it in um, Live and Let Die like with New York. Like, yeah, we've been to New York, but as, uh, like as you said, like they really embrace the area. I mean, New York, I guess, isn't as um, I don't know Bondian as Paris is, but I mean, mm-hmm. we've never really like where's the Bond scene at the Statue of Liberty or something like I don't know. Like we've passed yeah. that Roger Moore days, but yeah, I agree. Like this Eiffel Tower scene is is amazing. You know, I can rip shit into France all I want, but I mean, this yeah, it's a perfect use of it. See, the little things like if we just had this isn't even a comment on his age, but if we just had Bond struggling to catch his breath at this point, you know, going up a few flights of stairs. Something like that would make it a little bit more believable. We just we just need him to be like Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just drops that line. Every, well, even now, like, oh, I've been tangled. He's not Danny Glover. Oh, I've been tangled. Well, I was just, we missed the last line where the guy takes the butterfly hook to the face and he dies. And it's supposed to be a really serious moment. And Bond looks at him and he's not like giving a wink to the camera or anything. He's like, there's a fly in his soup. And he's saying that he's running out. It's like, that is, might be the most inappropriate place to give a one-liner when somebody's died in front of a group of like rich people who just went out for dinner. Could you imagine if Roger Moore as Bond was like there when 9-11 was happening or something like that? <laughs> like, should have turned left, not right. I don't know. Just, there's a there's a subject like I mean we we established Roger Moore as basically the greatest one liner at all the bonds like yeah. putting him in the most inappropriate places when like one liners should not be mentioned yeah exactly <laughs> like he's in Nazi Germany should have turned the gas off um, <laughs> like, you know I don't know like just, just completely inappropriate you can just imagine he would do that though he. Roger Moore's Bond would not get away with shit in 2017. Can you imagine the um the absolute outroar with the political correctness we live in today? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I want to guy's taxi. <laughs> imagine he could have been in the Living Daylights working with the Taliban. Imagine the one-liners <laughs> we would have had if he had stuck <laughs> on for one more movie. Al-Akbar indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this cab French man. Yes. <laughs> now, here's Ed Gitt, some good stunt driving here. I wonder if Angry French Man's on Twitter. <laughs> Who's Angry French Man in this movie? Well, the entire country. The taxi driver, where is he? <laughs> Paris taxi driver, Lucien Jérôme. I'm sure he's probably dead knowing our luck, but... Um, probably. <laughs> uh, no, he looks like he's still alive. Is he, is he tweeting? 
I haven't seen. He hasn't been in anything since 2010. So I mean, he might be dead. I don't know. Let's. <laughs> oh, there's the the stunt man when the the car breaks in half yeah. and Roger Moore suddenly ages backwards thirty years. <laughs> okay, I I put in Lucien. Another Lucien Bonaparte. Why I'm on Bonaparte on Wikipedia? A French statesman from Such 1775 to 1840. Wrong guy. Sure, he's French, so he must be related to Napoleon. Oh, French. He probably just, like, gave yeah, like, up. Look and... The shot of him falling into the cake. I love that. Congratulations! And he just buggers off. Why is there no cake on his pants? He just, like, sat in this thing. Because he's James Bond. Sadly, angry French t- taxi driver does not have Twitter. So we oh. might be stuck with tweeting Roger Moore. <laughs> oh, oh, we might be stuck. A retweet from the great Why Roger Moore. Why does slap herself? <laughs> it is really weird, isn't it? She's laughing. Ah, slap myself. She's that masochistic. Now, were you a Mayday fan? Did we establish this? No. Um, I, I, again, I appreciate a little bit more now after we did our rewatch last year. But, like, I think... I think I mentioned on the other episode, as a teenager watching this movie, like, she honestly just scared me. Like, I had nightmares of Mayday, so for years I would have a lot of trouble watching her, but I, I kind of get where they were going with this now, and I think it's, uh, uh, I think it was a, a cool idea to have the henchman as a henchwoman, but also not have her be, like, this beauty queen or anything. Like, she, she's she's honestly, like, a really scary henchman. It's like yeah. having Jaws or Odd Job. I, I mean, I, I've always loved her. I mean, I, I like that, yeah. She kind of, I don't say scare me when I first saw this, but she was done in a way that she just is so memorable and all that. And, you know, the fact that she ultimately sort of redeems herself at the end, you know, and just all this sort of stuff. And it's kind of sad to see that her and Roger didn't get along. I mean, who wouldn't get along mm. with Roger? I mean, come on. But, like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I, I still love her. She's, to me, a top five hench person of all time. I I, I want to see if we can count how many times St. John Smythe is quoted in this movie. I'm at two so far. <laughs> didn't 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 we establish that the, it gets changed the pronunciation or something? Or wasn't there uh, a, no, a, something remember. in this movie that they kept saying it differently? Or am I thinking well, of something else? Later on, where he calls himself James Stock, but that's not a mispronunciation. Mm. He just changed his name. <laughs> He's got such a thing, like, I think we talked about this, like, his one-line delivery, but his facial expressions. Like, he's got the best... Oh, brilliant. He just yeah. raises his... The way he raises his eyebrows and has that, like, glaring look. Like, he's the best at it. He's he's most illuminating <laughs> with his facial expressions. It's a little bit harder here, though, when he raises his eyebrow and the rest of the face does not raise with it. Judge <laughs> <laughs> his Botox is in the 80s. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sad that none of us can actually do a decent Christopher Walken impersonation. <laughs> oh, Tibbet. I love Tibbet. Tibbet. Seriously, you say how you always forget, like, Octopussy was a movie. I never forget A View to a Kill as a movie, but I always forget Tibbet as, like, the sidekick to Bond. Whenever I think of the great sidekicks, I'll never forget, like, um, Quarrel or uh, uh, Felix, obviously. But. I always have a hard time remembering Tibbet. And yet every time I watch this movie, I'm like, man, Tibbet's got to be top five henchman or not henchman. <laughs> yes. He was the real villain. Wow. In this movie. There's a plot line. Plot but, 
<laughs> but but he has to be like in my top five sidekicks or allies for Bond. Oh, sadly, he died too. He died in yeah, 2015. Well, this completes the uh, trifecta of Avengers stars and Bond movies after Honor Blackman and uh, Diana yeah. Rigg. Yep. Have you ever watched the Avengers? Uh, I think I saw the 90s movie when I was oh. very young. That's got Sean Connery in it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, the whole reason I watched it, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've never seen the TV series, no. I remember when the 90s movie came out, I just thought at the time, I'm like, it's like a spy thing, almost like James Bond, but the guy's got a hat. And <laughs> then I saw Sean Connery's a villain. I'm like, Sean Connery's a villain? This is going to be the greatest movie ever. And I went out and saw it opening weekend, and it was just like, oh, it was still to this day probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But before that came out, they had the Avengers on TV, um, like in reruns every day, and I watched a couple episodes. And I didn't really get the TV show at the time. And then... I think last year after we watched uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, I went back and I watched a couple of episodes of the Avengers show, and it's 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 really good. It's different. It's not something you really would associate with Bond as much, um, but it's still a really fun spy show from the sixties. And and the production values are like, I mean, you, nowadays you see TV shows with, that look like they cost a fortune to film every episode. The old episodes of the Avengers look that way. I was the only one who liked Jenny Flex, wasn't I? Was I the only one? or was I kept forgetting who she was, yeah. didn't I? <laughs> I? I don't remember. I, I think, yeah, I think it might have been the other way around that you mentioned Jenny Flex and were like, who, what does she do in this movie? <laughs> I remember the name. Who was she? What does she look like? Just me never paying attention. Uh, I used to watch, uh, I only used to watch um, Get Smart. That was kind of the only uh, spot yeah. one I used to watch. I used to love Get Smart. I actually liked the movie. Mm-hmm. Was I the only one who liked the Get Smart movie? Probably. <laughs> but I remember I, um, um, Sean Connery roles in that. I remember one of my favourite films that I haven't seen in years. I love Entrapment. But, um, oh, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like when he's like creeping on Catherine Zeta-Jones. But it's mm-hmm. like Sean Connery's at that point where he's, what, like 70, but he's kind of hot 70. So you kind of... It doesn't you, matter with Connery, yeah. You'd see him betting Catherine Zeta-Jones. I mean, who wouldn't bet Catherine Zeta-Jones? So, you know. Well, I was just talking, literally just yesterday, I was talking about that with a friend of mine. We were going to see the new Triple X movie, something else kind of Bond-related, but somehow oh, we were talking Ruby about Ruby Rose Connor. in it. Oh, my God. Somebody who I hate. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> She's Australian. I cannot stand her. Continue. And probably the most annoying character in the movie, but uh, um, somebody we were talking about Sean Connery, and uh, you know, I was mentioning like Catherine Zeta-Jones' I was watching Ocean's 12 last week, and I was saying, normally I don't like her, but there's only two movies where I think I really think she's great in. Ocean's 12 is one, even though the movie is no good, and the other one's Entrapment. Like, I love Entrapment. And the the two, you're totally right. The two of them work in that movie, and that's where an old guy is more acceptable. And maybe it's because Sean Carney's an old guy. He's kind of more like a dirty old guy. He's not, like, sophisticated <laughs> like Roger Moore, where you see all the wrinkles. Pull your but pants down. It, it just made sense. Like I remember around the same time Entrapment came out, Harrison Ford had Six Days, Seven Nights. Yes, and Love there that was movie. such an yeah. Me too. Another guilty <laughs> pleasure. We can soon cover on the Oz Network. But um, there was such an outrage at the time. Like there's a huge age gap in the the you know Harrison Ford and Anne Heche in that movie, and yet Entrapment came out a year later and nobody complained. And there was probably yeah. a bigger age gap. Oh, there would be. There's something. Sure. About- it works for Sean Connery. It won't even work for Roger Moore. Like, like we were saying, there's some things that George Lazenby could do that Sean Connery couldn't. There's some things that Sean Connery could do that Roger Moore can't. 
The, the difference is, I'll, t- I'll point out the differences for you there, Colin, is the fact that Catherine Zeta-Jones is married to an old guy and Anne Heche <laughs> was pretty much a lesbian in the 90s. So that's where it all came down to. So, so if Harrison Ford had been a 50-something-year-old woman, people would have been more accepting of it. <laughs> exactly. If it was Ellen. Um, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, exactly. well, well, isn't Harrison Ford still married to Calista Flockhart? Are, are they still together? Yeah. Like, that's a yeah. big age gap. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, so there's one where people don't really care as much about it. Why do they have the generic porn music? Uh, this is the, um, uh, which one was it? The uh, Diamonds Are Forever. The, <laughs> the porn jazz porn sound. The, the funny thing with the Trapman is I've been to Malaysia twice. So like the Patronus Towers scene when she like breathes, you know, that famous scene where she's like, <gasps> like, you know, going yeah. between the two towers. Um to actually go up there, you've got to get there really early in the morning and they only let a certain amount of people in. So both times I went, we sadly missed out. So we, there's a big shopping centre underneath the Patronus Tower so you can, like, it's easy to see them get photos. I just wanted to go up to the thing and put a hole in the window and go, <gasps> like, <laughs> done. <laughs> Thanks, Malaysia. <laughs> I love their little, I love that with Mayday. Just like, <laughs> and this look that he has. Yeah, just Go. <laughs> Like she still kind of scares me. I got to be honest, but I mean, I I get that's the whole point now. What? Well, see, this is what I don't get. This party, all the guests are looking very nineteen eighty five. Why is everybody wearing like nineteen or not even nineteen, like seventeen hundreds British wigs as the servers? Like it's like a theme party, but none of the guests decided to play along. Because they're basically paying tribute to the age and era that Roger Moore was young in, like the <laughs> 1800s. So that's well, it. A, I think that's like the third or fourth St. John Smythe there. <laughs> now, all right. I'm, just, I'm reading here on Roger Moore. I shouldn't laugh at this. It's not funny that Roger Moore has diabetes. That's, that's a sad thing. But on Wikipedia... <laughs> Bear with me, bear with me. There's something coming from this. On Wikipedia, this is literally what it says. Moore was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in 2013, which has left him unable to drink martinis. (laughs) (laughs) That's legitimately what it says. Could he have one and then just double his insulin? (laughs) Pass me the vodka martini, followed by the EpiPen. <laughs> now, great is this something? Uh, is this something else that was kind of lost with the Dalton and Brosnan eras? This whole like class and elegance in Bond. Like I know those guys wore tuxedos and everything, but it just it it didn't seem the same. Like even if you look at this building, it just looks like this castle and this mansion. You got all this expensive stuff everywhere, like. I don't. I don't know if we've ever had a Bond movie since then that just looked really classy and elegant since *A View to yeah. a Kill*. I agree, and I mean that's kind of one of my things with Craig that I've mentioned in terms of like the the, the, the charisma and that sort of stuff. I don't think we ever really get to see a lot of that with Craig, just because we don't really yeah get a whole lot. I mean, we've seen him in a tux in *Casino Royale*, but I mean that was just in a casino, whereas like. Brosnan obviously had the whole tux <laughs> Monaco. In all fairness, he was in a casino for half of the movie. <laughs> Hence why it's called Casino Royale. <laughs> well, it was only a brief scene in a casino that lasted an hour and ten I, minutes. I would argue that Brosnan in the Monte Carlo casino felt more sophisticated and more, like, Bond than 
I mean, there was just something more about that casino in Monte Carlo than the one in Montenegro that yeah. kind of was classy. But yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, it's just, is that maybe a whole thing of Bond that they just forget that this is what it used to be? This is kind of the whole thing that's set on. And I don't know. And this is kind of like, I guess this is a topic of conversation for another day when we want to be super controversial, 007, is when they talk about, you know, well, like do we discussing have... discussing the humour of diabetes? <laughs> Clearly. Um, <laughs> was that South Park episode? It's been 10 years. Diabetes is funny. Um, but, like, yeah, like, when they talk about a diversified bond, a female, a black bond, you know, something like that, you know, I guess it's kind of like you would put that debate in and how that would work and kind of how Bond was set and kind of what we're seeing right now, you know? Like, I mean, what guy do we have wearing monocles anymore, for Christ's sake? Like... <laughs> That, to me, screams sophistication and snootiness. I'm wearing a monocle. Not scream Monopoly, man. (laughs) (laughs) Ace Ventura. Oh, look, it's the Monopoly guy. And, like, let's talk about class and and elegance here. Tinted glasses. (laughs) Who's going to bring those back? Like, come on. Christopher Walken. Let's get back to those bad tinted glasses. Now, it's... This movie is now, what, 32 years old? Uh, Mm -hmm. So both these gentlemen on screen have aged 32 years since this film. Um, And yet, hold on, newsflash for people who are still caught in our last commentary, they're both still alive! They are, yes. So is Grace Jones. Um, (laughs) I don't know if uh, Tiffany's still alive. Is she still alive? I'm guessing, I don't know, Tiffany, Tanya. (laughs) Tanya Roberts, sorry. Um... Yeah, like, they, I, I mean, they've both not aged very well in the last 32 years. Can I just point <laughs> that out? And see, look, see, we, we talk about male appearance, not just female appearance, so yeah. don't say we're sexist. Well, come on, we don't want to talk about equal opportunity bond. Like, should we ever have a black bond or female bond? Exactly. The answer to that is no. Yes. But, look, we have had an Australian bond. We've had a blonde bond, and we've had a senior citizen bond. So we've covered all the bases that need to be covered. Yet we haven't had a redhead bond yet. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Damien Lewis. Um, Tanya Roberts is still alive, yay. Um, and I think <laughs> I think I was one of the ones, and I think, was it you guys? Well, I think we're all on kind of the green set. She's kind of one of the most useless Bond girls. She just does oh, yeah, nothing. Completely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she is the first iteration of Christmas Jones. Good call. I like that. That works. Except she can act better than Denise Richards. Slightly, yes. <laughs> There's no James. <laughs> Why does uh, Mayday have devil horns? <laughs> she does. Like, it's not the only odd thing about her. <laughs> Hold on. Let's walk you. Let's walk you to the chopper. <laughs> Oh, God, we're going back there again, are we? <laughs> that was just my attempt to do an accent. <laughs> oh, he's just his eyes, just the way he looks, just the way, you know, I can't even impersonate that because you're listening to my voice, you're not watching me. <laughs> you just imagine him there with his eyes when he drinks that champagne. What an illuminating rear end that Mayday has. <laughs> now, this is the one thing that did throw me off, though. Tibbet in... I don't know, is this a windbreaker or a leather jacket or kind of a combination of both? There's some bad 80s there. <laughs> that just comes hand in hand, doesn't it? Bad and 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Poor um, Tanya Roberts hasn't worked in a while. She hasn't... Um, I don't know if she sucks, Or maybe but... it's her choice. <laughs> well, she hasn't been in a movie since 1994's Deep Down, where she played Charlotte. And she hasn't been in a TV show since Barbershop in 2005. So... <laughs> oh, she was in Angry Beavers! Do you remember that show? No. The Nickelodeon cartoon, too... The Angry Beavers? No, I don't think I ever saw it. Ah, oh, she played a. She did a voice of Marsha in. Oh, Beaver Fever! That's like the best episode ever. <laughs> Seriously, look it up. It's great. Sorry, I'm getting excited about Angry Beavers coming soon to the. Aussie I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say on on Patrick McNee here, um, Tibbet. I think most people forget he's in this movie, but I mean, if you you have the DVDs. Bond fans are probably more familiar with him as the guy that narrated all the behind-the-scenes documentaries for these first, uh, how many movies, like 17 movies or whatever. I didn't even know that. There you go. I'm a huge Bond fan. <laughs> You're not big on trivia, though, as we found out last time. <laughs> yeah, my, when my internet connection doesn't work and I can't get um, IMDB <laughs> to work for me, uh, which I have open in front of me right now. Uh, Right now, I can... door. Do you see the padded door? I do, yes. There it is. I better watch it's a big the movie. Thing. <laughs> the snoring. I love, I love the tape recorder for everything. <laughs> this is the one where we were like talking about, weren't we? Like, you just come up with random things. The conversation with Tibbet. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine oh, recording Tibbet. that. So, Put Tibbet. Back. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> That was the other thing that I know they talked about on the the, the documentary that Patrick McNee not, not narrated on his own movie, but how <laughs> Roger Moore loved like almost improvising and overdoing the whole abusive servant thing with Patrick McNee because these are two guys who are both you know even before Bond stars of British spy shows. I mean, we talked about like the Avengers movie and the Avengers TV show. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen. The Saint TV show with Roger Moore, or the uh, the the movie with Val Kilmer, um, not necessarily totally a spy thing, but kind of the same genre. These guys came in around the same time, similar type personalities and roles. And here Roger Moore is, and he gets to boss around his old friend, and he just loved doing that. And it totally shows. Like that's the most entertaining stuff in the whole first half of the movie is his banter and abuse of Tibbet. And they work so well together as well. Like, it's just, yeah, the the chemistry between the two men. Um, yeah. It works, it works a treat. You know, it's it's not um, <laughs> just some, you know, money, penny and bond. It's like you just want them to have a cup of tea with each other. It's, you know, <laughs> I want to see a movie with Bond and Tibbet on the scene. Yeah. You, you Now, Bond and Money Penny are just friends at this point. It's Bond and Tibbet you want to see Bone, right? Absolutely. I mean, God, that, there's more sexual chemistry between those two than Bond and Money Penny in this film. You know? You wouldn't be surprised. Oh, there we go. Finally, there's the sexual oh. chemistry. They're making out. Hold on a second. This whole factory thing, you and I went on a tour of the Royal Canadian Mint here in Winnipeg. <laughs> yes. What kind of operation has no security? Like, these guys should be walking yeah. through metal detectors. These things are unattended. This would never fly here in Winnipeg. And where's the people on the upper levels doing a tour looking through the window with an annoying kid asking stupid questions every three yeah. seconds? <laughs> kid from South Dakota. Anybody wanted to were talking about it was a tour of the Mint and there was a kid from South Dakota that Ben just had a gripe with. <laughs> well, you can tell the tour guide is just like, yes, they do make money. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Boy, you got some really good questions, kid. Why don't I answer that later? <laughs> who is this? What kind of henchman is this, like, 80-year-old? We mentioned this in the episode, <laughs> two that the henchmen in this movie are age-appropriate because they're all, like, 90. Yeah. <laughs> They've just gone to that um, Siberian henchman resort and gone to the senior citizens division. <laughs> I do well, love this when they're boxing him up. Maybe there is something to it. I mean, they could have caught on with this and cast an older actress to play... Uh, I don't even know her name. She's so unimportant. What's her name in the movie? Tiffany, is it? Tiffany, yes. <laughs> Stacy Sutton. Stacy, yeah. Oh, karate sex scene. Oh, here we go. <laughs> But on my topic, as we sit here watching Karate Sex, um, <laughs> a lot ass. of the henchmen, a lot of the henchmen <laughs> seem older than they should be. A lot of the uh, um, like allies, you know, Tibbet is very age appropriate for Bond. If they had just cast an actress who was a little bit older, I think they were probably intentionally doing some casting that wouldn't make Roger look so old. Sorry, I was I was listening to you. I just laughed at the hand. The hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What no, if right it's... now Thorn was doing the same thing? <laughs> Murder. Karate's going to be an Olympic sport in 2020. Do you think this is going to happen? Like in the middle of karate? <laughs> <laughs> if we do like mixed doubles of karate sex. <laughs> this is why I love Zoran though. Like I think you weren't that high on Zoran. I I'm very high on Zoran. Like you just he's so st- like I mean that to me is kind of an evil trait. Like, he's just, whatever, and he just looks rapey and all that stuff. I'm not saying that's good, but, like, I mean, he's evil. So, I mean, of course he's going to be rapey. But just the way he's, like, statistic and he's just like, I'm going to have karate. I don't know why he's Arnold. But, like, he's... <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not just me. Look, I'm just going to rape her in the middle of karate. <laughs> oh, just miss out on nipples. You said karate, Mayday, but what you really want is sex. Is that the same trench coat thing that Lazenby wears in Honor Majesty's Secret Service without the sleeves? Did Lazenby wear a trench coat in Honor Majesty's well, Secret that, Service that without the sleeves? That jacket thing he wore that was like, wasn't wearing it properly. Oh, his cape. Yeah, his cape, cape coat yeah. or whatever. Trench cape. I mean, okay, like all... right there, his arthritis, he would never <laughs> have been able to hold on to that. That's where you need the scene of him falling down flat and he says, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I really should have taken my back pill cue. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like an ad. Like, do you find yourself with a sore back when you're old? <laughs> then... <laughs> it's quite illuminating. That was a very Walken quote. We must find... I can't do Walken. I'm not even going to try and do Walken. <laughs> we must, we find, must him. find him. We must, we must find, find him. Him. Oh, the weirdest love scene in Yeah, let's put this up a future episode, maybe, for most inappropriate love scene. <laughs> and I just love the fact that he's just basically giving it, like, he's just about to rape her. He's clearly horny yeah. enough to get it on. And, oh, no, fuck it. You go and have sex with Bond instead. I'll just go this off and tend to the horses. Well, you don't realize this is, like, uh, uh, from Russia with love. He's got the mirror on the other side of that little ornament on the back of the bed. <laughs> Oh, just this whole scene. It's just like, you know they hate each other. They absolutely yeah. hate each other. And like, Roger Moore would like, rather be in bed with Tibbet at this point. But, like, back on, it looks like How he's in bed with Tibbet because she's got such a manly back. Like, it, honestly... But like, look at that kiss. It just, it honestly looks like Roger Moore is like, end this now or I'm going to throw up. And they're like, cut, fuck you, get off me. <laughs> oh, look at this guy. He's going to be in a fight scene with Bond in five minutes. <laughs> 
he's the young one. He, he's the young whippersnapper. <laughs> That's he's our useful henchman. henchman. <laughs> oh, he's, I mean, how does that monocle stay on? Like, I mean, if, if he like, <laughs> you spot that with your cheeks raised. If he's surprised at something and raises his eye, does it not just like fall yeah. off? You know what the eighties wants that his uh, shirt unbuttoned a bit. I love this when he's like looking at the fact that it's you know Bond 007 and he's just like, huh? It's just like he knows who yeah. he is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough because you say I'm not a big fan of Zorin, and that's kind of true. I mean, I think as a character he's okay, and I think Christopher Walken gives a decent performance in this, but. As I've said so many times, he's given more credit than he deserves just because he is Christopher Walken. And this isn't like a great Christopher Walken role. But there are a couple of things he does in this that that is very clever. And this is one of those scenes where he just kind of gets a kick out of everything. And even when Bond's in Mayday's bed, you know, he should be like, let's go kill him now. But he's like, let's have some fun with the guy first. And here he's finding out he's a spy and he's like, license to kill. And he's like, all right, this is going to be a blast. I just, I just love him. I love the character. I love Walken. I will be one of the ones who say, yeah, because it is Walken. Of course he deserves credit. It's fucking Christopher Walken. But, like, could you... I mean, David Bowie was offered this role. Like, rest in peace, David. You're a legend. I mean, we've all seen The Labyrinth. I'm assuming you've seen The Labyrinth and how good he yeah. is as the Goblin King. I just think we were robbed. As much as I love Christopher Walken, get him to play another villain in another film. I think... Bowie would have been so good as a Bond villain. Can you not imagine David Bowie, Goblin King, as a Bond villain? Yeah, and I can picture right now Max Zorin with spandex and the giant crotch <laughs> bulge boner sticking out. A weird sexual chemistry between him and Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy dance. He just spanked Timid. <laughs> you remind me of the Bond. What Bond? The Bond with the power? What power? The Bond of... <laughs> I saw my Bond walking hard like Bond should do. He calls himself St. John Smythe, but I know who he really is. What kind of vodka martini to use? <laughs> Two pot vermouth and a bit of vodka. <laughs> and Tibbet says, Brr. Bond, Bond, magic Bond. Sex, karate, sex, karate, sex, karate, sex, karate, sex. Move your ass flow. <laughs> Slap that tibbit, make him scream. Imagine Bowie doing a view to a kill. That would have been a good. That would have been a good theme song if Bowie sang. I mean, not to take away from Duran Duran. But... <laughs> To get a little serious for a minute, <laughs> if you had to pick any Bond villain in any time period for David Bowie to play, who would be the perfect one? Because oh. I don't know if I see him as this type of Mac Zorin. Uh, I would, like you said, would he make a great Bond villain? Yeah. Would he make great Mac Zorin? Probably not. But like, who would Bowie be great as? He's got to be crazy. He's got to be like not like crazy, but like, I mean, what made him so good is like the got like I mean he was charming and a bit out there and like he had Muppets to control but like <laughs> <laughs> so die another day clearly 
Uh, well, actually, though, in all seriousness, like, I mean, he wouldn't be a bad Gustav Graves. Like, he actually I, could I pull that thinking, off. like, Scara Manga. I would love to see a Mascara Manga yeah. with the Nick Knack and David Bowie would be <laughs> you a say, great combination. I thought you were about to say Bowie is Nick Knack. I don't know how that would be. <laughs> <laughs> I may be small, but I never forget. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I see Scaramanga. <laughs> Denise Richards. We're, we're going back to that <laughs> Christmas joke. Yeah. James. <laughs> hey, there's a question. Is there any Bond girl that Denise Richards could play better than she played Christmas Jones? <laughs> yes, Stacey Sutton. <laughs> Tiffany Sutton. Tiffany <laughs> <laughs> Sutton. Oh, here comes a really odd let's kill a man <laughs> sequence. This is about the most unusual thing they've done since the the dogs chasing the the girl in Moonraker through the woods. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Ah! <laughs> the music. Can we just point out Roger Moore in a jockey's hat, but still wearing yeah. a suit? <laughs> like Christopher Walken, he pulls it off. You know, he looks the part. Roger Moore just looks awkward. <laughs> Like, you're just trying to make me look like a grandpa now. <laughs> yes. Imagine, like, the behind the scenes of this. You know, like, okay, Roger, can you... Do you really expect me to wear this hat? It's not illuminating at all. I look like an old Krogan. <laughs> the look on Moore's face here, like, you're talking about facial expressions. Here's a facial expression where it probably honestly was they put a 57-year-old man on a horse and he's like, my back's not going to take this up. <laughs> Seriously, what, like, when they've constructed this course, like... Why? Has Zorin gone like, we need to construct a cause that could kill people? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, what, what purpose does it serve? Is he expecting yeah. British spies to come and, like, infiltrate his camp at some point? <laughs> what sort of evil person is waiting for the good guys to come along? Yeah. And who gets that role? Who is the role of, I'm in Zorin Industries to push a button to raise the jump? That's what I applied for. I got that it. I love my job. A- He's been employed for the last six years, and they've just been waiting for a British spy to infiltrate them. Like, hey, I've Sam, been here six years. Sam, I finally get to work. Get to, yeah, I finally get to push the button. I've been working my whole life for these three <laughs> years of college, you know, learning all about <laughs> buttons. I, I went to Hitchman's Button College. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Button College 101. Today, the history of the button. <laughs> Lesson two, where should you put your thumb on the button? <laughs> How to pass the time while waiting to press the button. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, is this someone that age isn't going to, like, snap his neck? <laughs> oh, Tibbet. He's going to, like, typical Necro Bond, start macking on with the body? No. <laughs> He went right for the kiss, didn't he? <laughs> Take that hat off him. He looks so awkward. <laughs> I almost want to see like one of those propellers on the top of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I complained also in this episode that in a lot of ways this is just a remake of Goldfinger. I never even realized that last line was just a complete knockoff of Goldfinger. In Goldfinger, when he's 
you know, on the board with the laser, and he's like, if I don't report, you know, Double Eight's going to replace me, and he goes, I, I trust he'll have more success than you. They just did basically the exact same exchange of dialogue in this scene. This is just a remake of Goldfinger. What I think works, though, like, yeah, I see your point. That's a, that's a good call, but, like, I mean, we were talking about this being a bit of an outlandish one, all this sort of stuff, but, I mean, you know, we're, we're what, like, 52 minutes into this film, and it's still decent setup, you know, like, you were talking about, like, the real sort of sophisticatedness and all that kind of stuff, like typical Bond and just... I mean, right now, it's it's still a decent film. I mean, we haven't had the blimps over you know, all this sort of stuff yet, but, I mean, it's not as outlandish as Die Another Day or Moonraker. It has its moments, but... Yeah. I don't know, there's just something about this. This is one of these Bond ones that, you know, it's, it's fun and, like, I can just... If I want to watch a random film, I want to watch a Bond film, this would be, you know, in my top five, top ten of ones that I'll just put on for the fun of it, you know. it's I don't have to sit down and completely think... You know, it's not for well, Russia with love. No, that's a good point because Bond movies have this reputation of always uh, revamping as soon as they get a little bit too absurd. You Only Live Twice was a little too over the top, so we get Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Moonraker was too over the top, so we get For Your Eyes Only. Uh, Dino the Day is too over the top, we get Casino Royale. And this movie and Living Daylights are always sort of grouped in with there, but I would argue... If you take out California Girls and just Rod- Roger Moore's overall age, <laughs> I wouldn't say this movie's any goofier or more absurd than The Living Daylights is. I think there's just as much ridiculous stuff in The Living Daylights, like the ghetto blaster and <laughs> you know the the tobogganing in the cello case. There's a lot of silly stuff in Living Daylights. And I think just because Timothy Dalton was a more straight Bond actor, that's considered to be this movie that, that oh, we had to right the wrongs of A View to a Kill. This is a fairly serious movie, as most of John Glenn's were. Just quickly, I think they debunked that myth in Mythbusters that that actually is impossible for you to do that with a tire. The air um, out of the tire, yeah. I think this is, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. And I also think this is kind of just like your formulaic Bond movie. It just ticks off all the cliches and the Bond moments. You've got your great villain over the top. You've got your great henchman over the top. You know, you've just got uh, an outlandish plan. You've got a bit of silliness here and there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's lacking a decent Bond girl. It's, you know, shit Bond girl. Everything else really kind of ticks it off. And, I mean, this is, if you were to say to anybody who has no idea about James Bond, what, describe a James Bond movie, make them watch A View to a Kill, it's pretty much mm-hmm. 98% what a James Bond film, in my eyes, should be. Yeah. Well, I, I, I compare this, I think, most closely to something like The Man with the Golden Gun, where it's clearly not a great movie. Um, there's a lot of problems with it, but there are certain things about this movie that are just fantastic. By the way, is that Dolph Lundgren in the background there? Uh, hang on. Well, I'll tell you when I see. <laughs> <laughs> see Gogol's head. That's not Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> no, not that, not that one. Actually, you I think it Dolph is. Lundgren. I actually no. Seriously, in all legitimate legitimacy, I think it is because I do remember reading somewhere that this was like his first. It, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And he was an yeah, uncredited. It's the same year. It's funny. It it's is. the same year as Rocky Four. Yeah, Venz. The character's name is Venz. V E N Z. No one ever leaves the KGB, except for Donald Trump. Oh yeah, and here's the other direct copy of the Moonraker scene. Um, or not Moonraker, Goldfinger. 
<laughs> Except but, we, um, don't have, we don't have... What are we doing here? <laughs> what's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? <clears throat> what's with that trick table? <laughs> <laughs> was it Chicago? I'm not going to Chicago. Yeah. But like with the man with the golden gun in this, there's issues with the movie, but then there's certain things that I think really like nobody's ever going to criticize the man with golden gun for having a bad villain or a bad henchman. And it's kind of the same with this as much as people dislike the movie and think it's unoriginal and everything. And that you know, Roger Moore wasn't right at the time. Everybody will say, well, we love Zorn. We love Mayday. So there are certain bond movies almost get a free pass. I think if this had the wrong cast in it, it probably goes down as one of the worst Bond movies, but it's it's kind of given a slight pass by most people just because of Walk-In and Grace Jones and uh, Patrick McNee and most of the supporting cast. Yeah, I agree, and I think the song as well makes... But, like, it's funny, because I, I mean, I think before I really looked at rankings and, you know, history of opinions of Bonds and that, I always assumed that this was one that was liked, and for the most part, if you read people's rankings, it's not really liked. It's always generally in the bottom quarter of But it's never hated. That's the funny thing. And yet, what really is the difference between this and something something like Die Another Day? Well, I I could tell you a lot of differences (laughs) Die Another Day. (laughs) Some of the other ones that are less CGI. like, like, like I said, Man with the Golden Gun gets more criticism than this. Um, and I didn't get that with Man and Golden Gun because I mean that was one of these ones I hadn't seen that often, and I really enjoyed yeah. the Man with the Golden Gun on a rewatch. And yeah, I was one of these ones that was reading all the hate for it. I'm like, why does this get hate? I actually enjoy this film, and it's kind of like mm. Live and Let Die. That seems to get a bit of love, and I, I think I had, that was my second worst Bond film. I just didn't think it was that good. So yeah, I think that was one of my lowest. Well, it moved up in my rankings this past time, but. I was always of the same opinion. Live and let die is not great. You only live twice. Is it that you get the mm. weird ones where people either think it's the greatest? Like I will always see you only live twice, either in people's top five Bond movies or bottom five. It's never anywhere in the middle. And yet, for for the life of me, I cannot figure out why anybody would love you only live twice. <laughs> yeah, I I do have to. I always analyze things, but like not analyze Madonna. Things. Yeah, I, you said it, not me. <laughs> um, but like. Don't the, play giant, the, song, don't play. the giant model that they've got there of Silicon Valley, like, again, yeah. what part of Zoran Industries? Okay, I need you to build me a giant model. Well, what for, Max? <laughs> Just build me a giant model. <laughs> and put it on an airship. Oh, here we go. Are we about to get this line? Hang on. This deserves some stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Shut up. Uh, one of the... <laughs> couple of Bond locations I've been to. I've been over that bridge. And, I mean, San Francisco is a very pretty city. It is, I mean, it's screaming for a Bond location. It, I mean, it's just... It's very beautiful on the outside. It's got lots of stuff on the inside that really, you know, like, you know, Chinatown and kind of what we're seeing here down, like Fisherman's Wharf and all that sort of stuff. It is it is a very Bond location. It's, it's easy to see why they chose it. It's a city that is crying out for a Bond treatment. And, you know, I'm not a fan of um, American cities in Bond movies. And it's not some anti-American thing. It's just the majority of the movies that most people see because the Hollywood industry is so big are American movies. So I just feel like we've seen American cities so many times that it's never anything new. Like, that's why there was nothing special about seeing New York and Live and Let Die for me or anything. But That's a good call. With this... 
with this though it is i think they picked the right spots to show in this you know not just like the golden gate bridge but we're not seeing this in other hollywood movies that take place in san francisco yeah yeah exactly uh now this is where we kind of went over didn't we where we thought should this have been felix instead of Chuck? yeah yeah well i mean i like having somebody new in here but he's not particularly memorable <laughs> um mm. and you're in the united states i mean that was felix's role and they're gonna bring felix back after this anyways so why not have him here? Like, is there a reason why? Like, I don't know if you have any of your trivia open there. Is there a reason why Felix wasn't in this? Because I can't imagine that they did a movie and said, we're going to go back to America for the first time since who knows when. Let's have a new character and not Felix. Well, funny you asked me that, Colin Hilding, because I do have an answer to that. <laughs> oh, your trivia is paying off. According to the book that I own, James Bond Encyclopedia, which it's in a box somewhere, uh, Felix Leiter was originally going to be Bond's contact in San Francisco. However, owing to Chinatown being such a prominent part of the city, David Yip was cast as Chuck Lee instead. So essentially they've gone, oh, we need an Asian because we're in... Wait a second. I'm looking in the background. Find one other Asian in this scene. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, is that... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of like Jack Wade in in Goldeneye Tomorrow Never Dies. Why isn't that Felix? Like, yeah, you know. I mean, nothing to take away from Jack Wade. I like the character of Jack Wade, but they wanted an arm. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> stumpy old stumpy lighter coming out. <laughs> James, remember me, Della. <laughs> Della. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Santa Claus with a shorter hat and less beard? What is I was Bond's thinking that jacket? Was... <laughs> yeah, okay. Bad windbreaker of the 80s. Still better than what Lazenby was wearing in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. True. Do you want to see we... here a fake bird on his head from Goldfinger? <laughs> That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> now, are we, have we established... Are we, are we, is there anyone else that we to tweet except for Roger Moore? Should we basically put it out there that in, what, seven, eight more films, we have to tweet him at least once in every episode until we get a reply? <laughs> It's either him or Grace Jones. I mean, Roger Moore has 60,000 followers. Grace Jones has 40,000. It's got to be more, I think. All right. We we both need to come up with a tweet. Like, is it a simple case of, can I have an illuminating reply, please, Sir Roger? (laughs) (laughs) Start out simple. Well, looking here at his Twitter page, somebody tweeted him uh, to... No, yesterday... Steve Bourne said, uh, Sir Roger, would be great if you could say hi to Hints Village Age UK volunteers and walkers. And he's replied, hi to you all. <laughs> like, just, can you not imagine him he, saying that? You see this other one on here, uh, James at James HG73P said, at Sir Roger Moore, this year for the first time I'll be a best man at a wedding. Any advice, Sir Roger? Be charming, gracious, and save me a slice of cake. Yeah. Could you imagine that? He tweets him back the day later. I saved you a slice of cake, Roger. Where were you? <laughs> I like this one here. Rich Gooner, 1886. Didn't even actually tag Roger, and he somehow found their tweet. Can you imagine how excited this guy would have been? Oh, wow. Bond stabbed a python in the neck in Moonraker, though. No, oh, actually, no, he has mentioned his status. Never mind. But <laughs> Roger Moore's written back, yes, the biggest rubbish python you've ever seen with a snake <laughs> emoji. 
Can you imagine Roger Moore uses emojis? Uh, I think uh, I, I think my mind's just been blown. What? <laughs> There's a he's like legitimately used a snake. I'm like, can you not see that Roger Moore is going to be in line to see that stupid emoji movie that's coming out? <laughs> we were talking I... about how all of these old people from uh, on a Magic Secret Service, none of them are going to know how to use Twitter. Here, Roger Moore is probably older than all of them, and this guy's using emojis. <laughs> All right, I've got, to, I've got to think here. I mean, if Roger Moore replies to us, I that's it. We win. Uh, we win at life. Uh, we said that about Davidov, and we're still going. So, um, Our track record has been pretty bad. Since Davidov, um, we haven't had a reply. You know, we peaked at Mini Driver and Lars Ulrich, or whatever his name is. Um, so, gosh, what do you say to Roger Moore? Uh, <laughs> I just put out... Uh... See, great. Now I can't remember what I just wrote. <laughs> Fuck you, Roger. <laughs> Sean Connery was better. <laughs> Thanks for doing our podcast. Here we go. At Sewer Roger Moore, recording the first ever Double Law 7 commentary for View to a Kill. And we need more, more. Roger Moore. <laughs> um. I'm going to put, could I get an illuminating reply to make my day? <laughs> I don't even know. That makes no sense. Apologies if people can hear my lovely typing whilst we've got a quite dramatic scene going on. on A view to a kill. You know what's funny is that this is the sequence where I always check out. Like, we talk about Noah blacking out when the fancy British men are talking. But this scene... As soon as he shows up here uh, in the wetsuit until the end of it with the the oxygen tank, it's like every time I watch this movie, I feel like I've never seen this before because I just I don't remember it. I don't recall it and I never really pay attention. It's just there's odd scenes in different movies where you can watch it a million times and it's just always check out. And this is the part where I always check out. So it's funny that we're doing this and I currently have no idea what's going on or who this guy is. (laughs) <laughs> He's being shoved down a pipe, Colin. <laughs> um, Tanya Roberts has an official website, uh, tanyaroberts.biz, and <laughs> there's a contact section on her website for events and appearances called 131092. We should, like, call this live on air right now. <laughs> <laughs> she answers, hello, Tanya Roberts. Tanya, you're live on 007. <laughs> Uh, or contact Tanya and her team using the form below. She looks forward to meeting all her fans at the next convention, show, or live streaming event. Let's do this. Let's let's send her a message. Her? Oh, my favorite character is coming up. You 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 talk. I'm going to send Tanya a message. Okay. This is. I mean, you know, we've said how many times in the show we're going to get interviews, and we never do. Um, it's Pam Bouvier. That's just because they all turned us down. <laughs> We nearly got what's his name? Was it Gobinda or? Yeah, yeah, we're still waiting on Gobinda. We okay, got so replies from Ivanova. Roger and Sean Connery's people. And Ace's people. Not interested. <laughs> All right, can I can I can I say this on air? Am I allowed to say about the Lazenby interview, or is that inappropriate for me to announce things like that? 
I don't know. I mean, it makes us look kind of amateur, but go for it. We are amateur. <laughs> sure. Let's just point it out there that we can easily get a George Lazenby interview. It will happen, but we need money. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I won't totally. say the... I, I don't want to say the price. I don't want to be that person who kind of puts it out there, but... Let's just say, if legitimately people are listening to this and think, holy crap, I really want to hear Ben, Colin, and Noah talk to George Lazenby because all James Bond fans, that's all they want to hear. Contact us, let us know if you've got money, and we will tell you (laughs) how much we need of it to raise funds, all right? I love how you said to contact us, let us know if you have money. If you contact us and you're flat broke, don't bother. We don't want to read your crap, okay? Yeah. Bryn, stop messaging us. You don't have money. Uh, <laughs> Catherine, stop following all of our podcasts. We know you're Spectre, etc. They're the ones you listen to if you've got no money. Teachers don't make money, Catherine. Come on, we know it. But legitimately, like, I mean, it's not that much. It's not like $50,000. Um, yeah. Like... Seriously, if, if I mean, I, I, I'll rephrase that. If there are enough people listening to this who would like it to happen, maybe tweet us or Facebook us or whatever and say, yeah, that would be great, and maybe we will start a, uh, like yeah. a crowdfunding thing to make it happen. But, I mean, if <laughs> I put two tweets out during the week and no one responded, oh. so, yes. The, <laughs> anyway. the bubbles are coming up. We've got to watch this part. Yeah, I'll shut up. Later to be, change the get him. Tape. Oh, cassettes, they're sexy. <laughs> This just reminds... No, hang on. Uh. (laughs) 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 I mean, seriously. I mean, they've probably had sex a few times by that point already. I mean, at what point does she need to be careful about what she calls her lady parts? (laughs) What if you're listening to Duran Duran? The bubbles tickle my (laughs) Duran Duran! (laughs) What other cassettes could they have put in there that could have tickled her? <laughs> Sunshine and lollipops and <laughs> Magic Dance by David Bowie. T- are they tidy whities or are they her panties? I wasn't looking. <laughs> I don't want to know James Bond wears tidy whities. <laughs> right, I'm just- seriously. Uh- is is. Tell me I'm not the only one that thinks Paula Ivanova is, like, the most hilarious Bond girl of the 80s. <laughs> like, there's, more... no, there's nothing interesting about her character, but, like, she is the most over-the-top Bond girl we have seen maybe ever. She's more memorable than freaking Stacey Sutton. Yeah. <laughs> they should have... Been, like, it's the same thing with uh, For Your Eyes Only. We were talking about how... Um, uh, the What did you call her? Lisi or... <laughs> Uh, yeah. (laughs) She would have made the best Bond girl and said we get Melina, who's just, nah, not the same. Well, we should mention, uh, I think we did mention this in our episode, originally uh, Paula was meant to be Anya from Spy Who Loved Me, um, but Barbara Buck declined to come back, so they basically Mm. created... I mean, that would have been a kind of cool cameo. That was kind of like in Die Another Day... um, uh, Michelle Yo was meant to come back. I always forget her name. Yeah. Um, she was meant to come back as a cameo. We live. Well, thank you. Um, no peaceful fountains of desire. But, yeah. yeah it. I mean, it's kind of cool to think how it would have been. I, and again, I love Paul Ivanova. She's hilarious. But I think that really would have worked too. It would have been a great nod to the past movies. And they do that so seldom in Bond movies that when they do, when they have Bond at the beginning of Fear Eyes Only at Tracy's Grave or even in 
Spy Who Loved Me, where it's like, you know, one wife and he just cuts her off. All right, you made your point. When they reference past movies, it really works. And especially bringing somebody back, like, there's always been talk about, let's give Jinx her spinoff. Let's give Waylon her spinoff. And uh, they may have even in the 70s, let's give Anya a spinoff. But forget about spinoffs. Don't even bring them back as a main character. But having cameos, like, that's what made the 80s so good. And there's not a lot good in the 80s for Bond, but you would debate that. But the <laughs> fact that we have, like, characters like Gogol who are just showing up, even in minor roles, it's just these little characters that reappear. It's It makes the movies connected a lot more. And that's why I love, I mean, in the Brosnan one, they they do that with Jack Wade and, and you mm-hmm. know, um, Zukovsky. And I, I love the yeah. fact that they did those. And... I mean, that's kind of, I remember Inspector got a little bit excited, like, we're going to get a Felix cameo, like, we weren't expecting it, but, you know, mm. it's, and I guess they're kind of... Instead, we just got Jack Wade again. <laughs> exactly. Yo, Jimbo! Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's obviously different in the Craig era, because, I mean, they're all intertwined films anyway, but yeah, like, I mean, I guess back in the day when, it sounds weird saying back in the day, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that long ago since the Brosnan era and that, but it's like... It was rare for like them years. to sort of being connected. You know, it's this year. Can we just point out, 2017 is 20 years since Tomorrow Never Dies. Just shut oh. up. <laughs> <laughs> no. That, that, that's still a movie that, you know, I was familiar with as the movie that made me a Bond fanatic. Mm-hmm. That means I have spent 20 years with James Bond and James Bond all the time and everything like that. 20 years of my life on one franchise. God, and we're still talking about it. I've done with my life. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done with your life, Colin? (laughs) Jamie's in the background going, yes, God, stop talking about it. Enough with that Bond. You took us on our honeymoon to see Bond. (laughs) That's why I'm single now, because she just couldn't handle it. Is this where it's Bond back into Home Alone again? <laughs> like <with the> yeah. <laughs> he steps on the broken ornaments. Ow. <laughs> the wet bandits. They right, come I'm... down. It's like, why are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Quite an illuminating lounge room this one is. <laughs> Just imagine, Jay. That's like a James Bond house. <laughs> you know? Come upstairs and have a glass of wine. With the lack of <laughs> furniture, cat. it really is like <laughs> that cat. cat scares the shit out of me all the time. <laughs> Baby's I cat. Dan's <laughs> <laughs> voice jumped an octave after that cat jumped out. <laughs> <laughs> what does it do? Anything? You're just like, oh, a pussy cat. <laughs> Can we not have, like, reaction to, like, uh, the, the polar bear in Honor Majesty's Secret Service? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I like to constantly stand in my closet with a shotgun. <laughs> rock, rock shotgun. <laughs> Colin's yawning because Stacey Sutton's on the screen. <sighs> oh, you actually heard the yawn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I heard the yawn. Another part of the movie that I always kind of check out on is the <laughs> Stacey home quiche. I'm, the reason I'm pausing quiche. is because I'm struggling to remember what happens here. The quiche. What was that episode called? Real Men Eat Quiche or something? Or 
uh, real Super Freaks eat quiche or something. <laughs> That's why we haven't even talked about Super Freaks. She's yeah. a very funky girl. <laughs> 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 the kaiju do take home to mother. <laughs> That's a life goal, to get Roger Moore on the show to simply read the lyrics of Super Freak. Yeah. <laughs> or no, get Roger Moore to read out the lyrics of Die Another Day. Analyze oh, no. this. <laughs> to get Christopher Walken on to sing Magic Dance. <laughs> what kind of magic spell to use? <laughs> Slime or snails, poppy dog tails. <laughs> and baby says. <laughs> Did he just karate chop the guy in his tit? <laughs> well, it's sexual it's karate. Eighty-year-old henchman again. That guy is smiling. That's holding Bond. <laughs> I do love this urn bit. Ah, <laughs> oh, hell. <laughs> Seriously, how old are these entries? <laughs> right there, he's going, oh, cool. <laughs> well, and why are they running they run away? away. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love Bond as a prick, though. Bond's still got to shoot them. <laughs> like, <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> Typical old Bond. <laughs> we just found the scene that connects this to Gran Torino. <laughs> James Stock. <laughs> the other way they pronounce St. John Smythe. There it is. <laughs> Alright, I've halfway written a message to Tanya Roberts. Hi, Tanya, I'm watching you right now. You suck. P.S. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I'll really send that, but uh, I'm gonna, well, let's get an did interview the, with her just the, to say, you suck and hang up on her. <laughs> did the cat eat the quiche? <laughs> Look, the cat's name. You see, the cat's name is Pussy. <laughs> pussy. Oh, yum, I want a quiche. Yum. <laughs> Why did she dress up for a kitchen quiche date with Bond? She's in an evening gown? You know how people ask you that question, like, if you could have, you know, dinner with three people, you know, who yeah. would be? I would totally put a list on a bucket list. Have Roger Moore cook me a quiche. And just <laughs> yeah. have quiche with Roger Moore. <laughs> There's a podcast, Quiche with Roger Moore. Good evening, <laughs> podcasters. This week on Quiche with Roger Moore, I would like to introduce you to Quiche Lorraine. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be the most awesome thing you could ever say to your grandkids? Like, Casper grows up, has a family. Granddad, granddad, tell us about your life. Well, when I was a young whippersnapper, I had quiche with Roger Moore. (laughs) Who, granddad? Who's that? Tanya Roberts stopped by. We told her to take a hike. She can't even act. Like, I'm going to take that back to Denise Richards. Like... <laughs> I mean, she's she's a, a slight step up from Denise Richards, but not much. Who she's from 1985 looking. would have made a better <laughs> Stacey Sutton <laughs> than Tanya Roberts? That's a good question. All right, think of your 1980 sitcoms. Uh... <laughs> what about Le- Leah Thompson, the mom from Back to the Future? She'd make a great Stacey Sutton. Well, she can act. She's, you know, she's good. 
it's the same age or it's not the, yeah the same ages right and the same year for the movie too true true crispin glover <laughs> yeah track. crispin glover would have made a great stacy son <laughs> crispin glover actually biff would make a bond villain biff tannen would have made a better stacy <laughs> Sutton. doc <laughs> <laughs> <Christopher Lloyd. laughs> great scott <laughs> this kiss what is amazing been- Fertile contraption in my eggplant. An omelet. <laughs> I'm going to go omelet. back and hang out with young boys and not people think it's creepy. <laughs> Great Scott, an omelet. What are you, chicken? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> calls me chicken. What laid those eggs? Chickens. <laughs> Imagine if Bond had a quip like, you know, Marty McFly. Like, no one. <laughs> calls me Irish. <laughs> Roger Moore, no one calls me Grandpa. <laughs> no one says it's not illuminating. <laughs> and in what world does he move her legs and cover her up and she doesn't wake up? Well, that, in what world does he not try and bed her? That just looks like Dad tucking in his granddaughter. Like, night-night, princess. You know, bedtime story. <laughs> Like, this is James Bond. He should be walking in there doing a mayday, taking his clothes off and sticking his dick in her. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's going next door to sleep with pussy. <laughs> well, the only pussy he's getting right now is a cat in his lap. <laughs> and now he's bringing, like, she's bringing in bread. Like, what? The... All right. He already used all the eggs. What is she serving him? <laughs> and why is she wearing, like, skimpy dressing gown for granddad? Yeah. Oh, look at the technology. That's still actually like Hobart the, technology. Well, you don't realize that's the identograph, and that's a photo of Zoran <laughs> right now. <laughs> Poorly rendered. <laughs> Not a banana cue. <laughs> that's very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> James. We need to do a bit like a YouTube that's clip. Of, of like the, the you know, the uh, robbed Oscars of James Bond featuring Stacey Sutton and Christmas Jones. Stacey Sutton versus Denise Richards. There's a battle off. <laughs> Division of Oil and Mines. That was like when we went through that Manitoba building and they had all those. Yeah, different... the legislative building. We stood outside the Premier's office. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We signed a guest book under Noah's name. <laughs> And we did that um, Canadian Museum of Human Rights robbed yeah. of our human rights from bad podcasting sign. No, if anybody's interested, what Ben and I basically did the day we recorded the Die Another Day commentary is we just disgraced everything that Canada takes seriously, <laughs> like rights and liberties. <laughs> human rights. You know, it's, I mean, it's a big deal in Canada. Book, the guest book we signed under Noah's name, too, was like... Uh, something about a display on uh, women's right to vote or something like that. <laughs> we're like, I, hey, Noel Grove, snug. <laughs> we, we, we established that we were disappointed that the whole museum was just going to be a massive wall with the word, sorry for, you know, taking <laughs> away from your human rights. Sorry. Thanks for paying $1,000. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, and here comes another long-lost ally that Bond couldn't care less about. (laughs) 
Oh, what a what a tragic death! Why couldn't that be Stacy? I mean, um... he's been in. Why could it be Stacy? Oh, he's got his windbreaker back on. I've just emailed Tanya Roberts, and you get a massive green tick comes on the screen and says your email has been sent. <laughs> okay, your email has been flagged as spam. And there's actually, if you are that big of a fan of Tanya Roberts, which let's be honest, we all are. You can go well, to Angry Beavers. <laughs> well, I mean, hello. You can go to the store on her website and buy a eight by ten signed autograph for twenty five dollars. A picture of her in the water. There you go. <laughs> can we just? I wish we could make our own T shirts. Can we oh. put a T shirt on that? And we had a Tanya Roberts T shirt that just said, "That's incredibly dangerous." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's on there's a section. Also, on her website, you can like pay for these signed autographs of her, right? So they've categorized it. You can get a photo of her from the Beastmaster. What a great film! Uh, from Charlie's <laughs> Angels and A View to a Kill. So there's a photo of her and Roger Moore again, looking like Grandpa hugging his granddaughter. And for twenty five dollars, and you can write like personalized too. So I could write. Noah Groves, and then they would ship it to me for twenty five dollars. <laughs> like, how convenient! You know what? A, what a thought! Why don't? Why doesn't everybody do this? We can get Playboy. And for, for <laughs> anybody who's wondering, if you're listening to us and you have money, we're also taking donations so we can get Roger Moore's recipe for quiche, <laughs> and also so Ben can get a personally signed Beastmaster Tanya Roberts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, it's obviously it's an active website because they've got a disclaimer here. Thank you for visiting TanyaRoberts.biz. The store is now closed for the holiday season. Any orders received after the twelfth, uh, the fourteenth of December, twenty sixteen, will be mailed out in January twenty seventeen. Here we go. This is a Christmas present to everyone at Double Oz Seven. I'm going to buy everyone a signed autograph picture of Tanya Roberts for Christmas. <laughs> Wait, she hasn't acted in how many years, and she she operates her own store. Well, she has a blog. She last updated on the 9th of October, 2016. I'm going to be live on camera with BehindTheCurtain.tv. <laughs> okay, wait, so she... So, she was on Charlie's Angels before before Bond, then, that would be? <laughs> um, let's have a look, shall we? Because uh... then with that, this would be, like, typecasting about this at the time. Let's make her a spy. Yeah, she was uh, the main role of Julie Rogers between 1980 and 1981 on Charlie's Angels. So then this is almost, I guess, it's hard to know unless you were there in 1985. I mean, I was alive, but I don't remember 1985, really. But this probably was one of those cases where they were casting a known actor, where like, oh, like, almost like when Halle Berry was cast. Because people also forget... When Diana Vitti came out, yeah, Halle Berry won an Oscar, but she won an Oscar, like, just before the movie started filming. Mm. When she was cast in Die Another Day, she wasn't, like, massive star Halle Berry. She's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows who she is. So Tanya Roberts was probably cast because she had some name recognition. Kind of like Denise Richards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, I love Halle Berry. I like Halle Berry. But, I mean, you, you analyse this, uh, <laughs> Halle Berry's career. I mean, was she not at that point known as the hot chick from Flintstones and who'd been in a couple of movies since and then won an Oscar? And she's oh, kind of been one of these ones, hasn't she, that she's been cursed since she won her Oscar? Like, her and Cuba Gooding Jr., like, they just get the shit rolls well, after that. In all fairness, I think signing on to Catwoman after winning an Oscar <laughs> was the biggest mistake. Well, in all fairness to Halle Berry, she did accept the Razzie in person and became the first person yeah. to ever do that, so she made yeah. fun of it. 
Um, I love this on Tanya Roberts' page. So, her blog, on September the 14th, 2016, she's done a blog, quite a serious one, about the suffering in East Africa. So, she's talked about, you know, terrible things happening there. On the same day, she posted one... Ben will be able to tell you this with a straight face. (laughs) On the same day, she's put another blog up, have your own photo you want me to autograph? Do you have something special you'd like me to sign? So, she's basically like, oh, I'm so sad about things that are happening in Africa. By the way, do you want me to sign something for you? And she's only made three blog posts ever. Two of them were the same day. One was pushing her autographs. She's actually pretty cheap when it comes to signing autographs. Like, 25 bucks. That's not too bad. Roger Moore would probably charge, like, 100 times that, but that would be worth more. <laughs> Roger you Moore. You know, I'm... St- <laughs> <laughs> I am still waiting for a Bond actor to come to the uh, Winnipeg Comic Con and not cancel, because we've had, like, <laughs> three Bond actors cancel so far. Well, the only Comic-Con I've ever... I mean, we don't get Comic-Con in Hobart. They don't know what that means. We get our own version, but <laughs> we get, like, um, people dressed up as people to claim that they really are a real person. But um, <laughs> the only Comic-Con I've ever been to was in Melbourne, and the, you know, William Shatner was there, and uh, the two of the charmed actresses were there. And, I mean, I tried to get interviews with them, but I couldn't. And I was most excited for the guy who played Admiral Akbar. And, oh, um, I met him too, yeah. Oh, the guy that I always get his name, Carrie Yules. I think we've talked about this before. He was, you know, in The Princess Bride. He was Princess Bride, yeah. He's in Twister and Liar Liar and in the Saw movies. And I was more excited for him because I'm like, I fucking love Twister. I fucking love Liar Liar. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just an idiot. That Did way. you actually meet Tim Rose who played Admiral Akbar? I was within a meter of him. But the thing is, because I was media, um, I was allowed in the area where people were getting autographs. However, it was very strict. I wasn't allowed to talk to them and I wasn't allowed to take any photos. So I basically uh. waited around all day interviewing fans and they kept saying to me, oh, they might be available to interview. We'll just wait and see, wait and see. I was there for like eight hours for only them to say, no, sorry, you can't interview them. And then they were like, you need to return your media pass. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll give it to you. So I snuck out and I kept it the bastards. I wanted to keep it as a souvenir. <laughs> Uh, Star Wars is one where I've actually been able to meet a lot of actors. Now that we're talking about Star Wars on Bond, but let's be honest, it's just a fire and a stuntman. Yeah, just, just quickly, if you're watching the movie, uh, there's an old man trying to put out a fire. <laughs> and Tanya Roberts is burning to death. Um, oh, what? Wait. But, uh, <laughs> like, we had, like, David Prowse, who played Darth Vader. I met him years ago. Um, uh, who else? I met the guy that played Boba Fett. He was actually one of the funniest people I've ever met, like, as far as celebrities go. And, um, few years ago we had uh this one girl she she played one of the background jedi in attack of the clones and revenge of the sith and the guy that was the voice of Watto in the phantom menace and then the guy that played admiral akbar who turned out to be like like a really cool guy and when i was asking him like this is not this past year so i guess a couple of months before this it was probably only about a month and a half before the force awakens came out and that movie was so secretive and I asked him, I'm like, oh, do you think Admiral Ackbar will ever come up in another episode? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm in the next one. And, like, <laughs> this wasn't in the news anywhere. And, like, he spoiled it wow. people at Comic-Con. I was like, yeah, I'll be in A Force Awakens. Wow. Did that make the news the next day? Did that, like, leak at that point? Yeah, well, I didn't open my big mouth. I didn't want to ruin any chance of him appearing in Episode 8 after that. <laughs> trying to think of the people I've interviewed in that. Um, yeah, I've... No, I don't think anyone who's in... Star Wars, I've interviewed 
people who were in the Matrix sequels. <laughs> yeah, because like, they're all from Hobart or something? <laughs> no, uh, well, actually, Essie Davis, she is Tasmanian, uh, but she was sort of a minor role in them. Um, I mean, I've interviewed people who've sung James Bond songs. <laughs> Tom not, Jones, yeah. And and Shirley Manson. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... The people... I mean, Willem Dafoe hasn't been in any Star Wars or James Bond movies. Um, yeah, I would have to think. I'm sure there might be somebody who... I mean, both the Star Wars prequels are, of course, filmed in Australia, so a lot mm-hmm. of our actors who are fairly well-known here have appeared in them, um, similar to the Matrix sequels. They were, all the Matrix films were filmed here, so... Yeah. Anyway. There's a fire. <laughs> This, this is the- okay. I will say I love the music in this movie, but this one cue of music here, there's a bottle guy. Should have been the same guy from Fear Eyes Only and Moonmaker. Yes, the Italian. But uh, the way that this A View to a Kill music is playing here just sounds so awkward and out of place. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. It kind of yeah. I don't really know what else to add, but it's just an old. It, it's also movie. like panty. You lines, imagine Jesus. But- because they're playing <laughs> they're playing music that is actually lyrics, right? This isn't like the background music. Yeah. Um, so you're picturing the lyrics, and I don't know if you're rescuing somebody out of a burning building, and it's like, uh, dance, dance into the into fire. The fire. It's like, <laughs> well, you actually just walked out of the fire. It's like, the fatal kiss is all I need. It's like, she's on your back. She's not kissing nothing, you know? Well, oh, here had... comes the cop we all love, though. Yeah, this, cop, this is what I was trying to think of, This, you know? We had a um, we had pretty serious bushfires here about oh two thousand nine and you know a hundred old people died it was you know big tragic event in Australia and they had like a big you know sort of raise funds telethon for people so they got this singer on called Jessica Malboy and she had a song at the time called Burn and she performed it and it's like mm, don't know if that's the appropriate song to sing about things that just killed a hundred <laughs> odd people. <laughs> The, the one part where Roger Moore is acting is like probably one of the worst delivered lines ever was uh, the part right, <laughs> right they just passed where um, the cop's like, we just found him dead in there. Is this your wall? He goes, yes, thanks. And he just starts to take it. It's like, you do realize you just implicated yourself in the murder by saying yes, thanks and holding out your hand. I just love the fact that like, this is James Bond, a secret service agent. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Off you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I say that to the cops if I get arrested? This is Ben Waterworth. A secret agent. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. And whoever's like, a secret agent. <laughs> I just love the fact, like, could you, like, let's be realistic, and this is no disrespect to America and our American listeners, if this was legitimately happening, as if they wouldn't have drawn their weapons and just shot them dead on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe that's 2017 policing. But... And then you just get chance breaking out all the crowd, Rodney King, Rodney <laughs> King. <laughs> British, he killed it, and all the British. British lives matter. <laughs> but isn't it funny, though, that every time Bond is in America, that's when the authorities are portrayed as being complete buffoons. Yes. Like, we get it in Diamonds Are Forever. We get it here. Uh, we get it in Live and Let Die. Like, it's always the Americans who just come across like like imbeciles during these chase scenes. Toby! 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 He never faces off against British police officers from memory, does he? Yeah. Or even in, um, I mean, we see cars every once in a while, but you don't get a character chasing him down. Here you get, like, the fat cop who's chasing down the British Secret Service agent. 
Do you think this is like a middle finger to America, though, like as in a deliberate ploy? Oh, I love that probably. facial, that look he gives when he's on that ladder. Yeah. But it's it's like, um, I think it was in Die Another Day got a bit of criticism when, you know, they've kind of pandered to the Americans and all that sort of stuff. And people are like, mm-hmm. this isn't what Britain would do or whatever. I think we've established yeah, we a lot of these films that the British generally bend over. Oh, we'll give up. Give them what they want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had that not <laughs> Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, it's fine. Just let him do what he wants. But, like, now it's kind of like, fuck you, America. Cowboy hats. <laughs> <laughs> cowboy hats. Like, they're in San Francisco. Are there a lot of cowboys there? This is just American stereotypes of well, well, everything. Look, without trying to sound completely mean in what I say, San Francisco is known as the gay capital of the world. So, like, I mean, <laughs> wasn't one of the village people a cowboy? So, you know. Uh, it's just funny, though, because you don't really see that in American movies, but American movies will always portray it that way, like, Anytime you have anybody in England, they're drinking tea, you know? Mm. And I know we've talked about this before, that the, uh, the the accent that everybody stereotypes as a Canadian accent is basically a regional accent for the Maritimes, which are the islands on the East Coast that is, like, the smallest population in the country. And it does sound like the stereotype Canadian accent, but that's, like, you know, 5% of this country. And it's I always said it's almost like if you you know, go to somebody in New York and like, howdy, I'm from New York City. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. You never get that in American movies. You get that with Americans portraying any other countries, though. Same, yeah, with Australians, you know, we all sound like Steve Irwin or Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, or Crocodile know. Dundee, yeah. I love the bit there where they're having sex in the caravan. That guy is like about 50 years older than the girl. It's just a running theme <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> Um, I love I love Bond hanging on the thing. They swing me back. <laughs> By the way, that extra uh, having sex with the woman, he also decided to retire from acting after this when he realized <laughs> that the extra he was with had a mother younger than him. And for those at home who've never been to San Francisco, yes, they do have signs saying "bridge" because <laughs> y- y- you know there's a lot of them there. So it's it's like Doctor Knows Palace. They're like yeah. street, <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> And there is legitimately one man in the entire city. (laughs) (laughs) This is the bridge operator. He just has to commute back and forth between all the bridges. I do like this sequence, though. I think I defended this. This one is fun, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is... Like like I said, when I uh, used to always look on this movie really fondly until I rewatched it after seeing the others, when this was the only more I had ever seen, I would always remember this as the one that had, like, the chase with the fire truck... And the snowboards, and then the blimp at the end. Like, all the. We always go through these movies, and there always seems to be this general consensus that either the first half of the movie is better than the second, kind of like Diamonds Are Forever, or the second half is better than the first, like this. And I mean, the second half of this movie, I have very few complaints about. Really, only the scenes in Stacy's house and uh, <laughs> Pussy and all that. Yeah. This is. This freaks me out, though, too, this angle they're on. Yeah, well, actually, just one thing I'll say, I mean, slightly on topic, I mean, this reminds, we had, um, we've got a bridge here in Hobart, the Tasman Bridge, like, it's, you know, the bridge that links both the shores, funny, that's what bridge does, bridge, bridges do, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's, it actually bridges the gap between I know, it's incredible, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's a tall slanted bridge, it kind of like, it bends in the middle, but in the 70s, there was a famous, a boat uh, was coming under the bridge, and uh, the captain was drunk, and he kind of... Why am I laughing at tragedies? Uh, he, like, took out a pylon of the bridge, killed, like, six people. These cars... There's a famous yeah. picture of a car dangling over the edge just like that. Um, you know, it's a big big disaster here. But and now, to this day, 
if ever there is a big enough boat going under our bridge, they will close the bridge off until the boat goes under the bridge. And, like, it fucks you up with traffic. It's like, guys, it's, you know, nobody's going to be drunk driving a boat like in the 70s. <laughs> so... <laughs> this is why we are comic masters, people. <laughs> Just laughing about Oh, here crazy. comes Bond's American accent. Yeah, <laughs> Bond wearing a fire hat. And maybe this movie is the only one that plays on American stereotypes where it doesn't make sense because they're in California and he just did like a Texas accent on your rear end. <laughs> they, they actually said to Roger, Roger, you need to do a California accent. This is my <laughs> best Californian accent. The Willard White there. <laughs> Quite illuminated. I love that. Hey, <laughs> wear a hard hat. <laughs> Safety first. <laughs> This is America. We're a safe country. <laughs> Here at Zarn Industries. You're carrying a truck full of explosives. You must wear a hard hat. That'll save you. <laughs> exactly. This, again, like, this is just like a rock quarry or mine, but it's such a cool location because it's something we haven't seen in a Bond movie, and I don't know of many movies, period, that have featured like a mine. Indiana Jones is really the only one I could think of. Oh, well, there was that classic era in the 1970s of the mine film. Uh, I don't, <laughs> the, <whoever> saw. <laughs> don't, don't you remember the big mine genre? <laughs> it was a big mine battle, like similar to, you know, the big meteor battles. Like, they had those two yes. epic mine films. <laughs> One digging for gold, the other for coal. Like, it was huge. Created a whole genre. Shut up. <laughs> this is the way I was with Jinx in Dying of the Day. Ben's just like, shut up. You realize she's never coming on the show once this episode goes to air. <laughs> that would involve people. Li- well, having said that, she's probably got the email. Oh, they want to do it. I better listen to their last episode. Yeah. Oh, it's on a view to a kill. Oh, I'll listen to it. Boy, shut that up, never Stacey. backfired on any of our shows. Amazing Race Canada exclusive interview. <laughs> Thank you, Noah Grove. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just point out that there is a picture on Roger Moore's Wikipedia page of him sharing a carrot with a goat. <laughs> <laughs> this is how this this has to be the picture of our episode card. Stop having a view to yeah. a kill. This is like the greatest picture ever. I am changing this to my Skype profile picture right now. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it yet. <laughs> no, it hasn't updated. All right, this is great for our episode. Hey, this is a double take pigeon. I didn't realize that was still on my computer. <laughs> Hang on a second. All right, here we go. Colin's about to see this. <laughs> don't know if it's come up yet. If my Skype updated. <laughs> Nothing. Seeing, I'm still seeing you with sunglasses. It's a pretty sexy picture of me, though. Maybe I'll just send you the picture. <laughs> Where, uh, in what section is it on his Wikipedia page? Like right down the bottom. I'm just seeing you the picture on Skype. <laughs> Great editing here on Double O Seven. Let's just yeah. talk about what we're sitting each other on Skype. Oh Fetching. yeah, they're killing people now. Yeah, you know this is the scene where Zoran like mows down everyone. But <laughs> I... <laughs> there we go. Now we've seen it. Why is he in plaid too? <laughs> <laughs> just. To Paint the picture. It's Roger Moore in plaid with a carrot in his mouth while a goat is at the other end of the carrot eating the carrot. It's like the scene from Lady and the Tramp. They're just going to meet in the middle and kiss. <laughs> oh, my God. 
This is a bit, though. This is, like, Zoran is an evil asshole. Like, I mean, God, he's about to just literally yeah. massacre everyone. Well, and and he gets so much criticism for this, while also, I think, getting too much... It, it's just weird that there's these two polar opposite camps with Zoran. People who think that he's so violent that, you know, it's offensive in this movie, and then people think that he's so over-the-top and violent that it makes him a great maniac, but I don't really find it that extreme it's not shocking or anything you know he's just a guy killing some people is it really any different we saw goldfinger do the exact same thing in 1964 yeah. he pulled out a gun and just started shooting people at random so well, I mean, why this think about this that with any bond villain i mean how many of them are killing their i mean there's plenty of bond films i mean renard does it in the tunnel thing he just starts shooting his own people and i mean it's just it's just what people do yeah. Because they're evil. <laughs> and, of course, they've got yeah. to tie in the fact that he's got Nazi in, in him. Ooh. Well, the Nazi or KGB Russian? It's a, bit, it's a bit of both, isn't it? Doesn't he have a mixture of both? Isn't he like a combination remember. of both of them? It's like, it's yeah, like a psychopathic Nazi... industrialist, the product of a Nazi genetic experiment. Yeah. Nazi meets Russian meets Rick James. That's what basically I <laughs> keep <laughs> mounted for... <laughs> Basically, Zorin. if this is 2017, he'd also be a terrorist and a Donald Trump supporter. <laughs> and then we have your classic villain. Oh, this guy here is great too. But, but, Manny and my man! <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy on the boat. Yeah. Oh, shut up, Stacey. Yes, he'll kill millions. Like, we know, but don't say it's so shit. He'll kill millions. <laughs> Please come on the show, Tanya Roberts. <laughs> People that we're never getting on here. Halle Berry, Tanya Roberts, Timothy Dalton. I'm sorry for you and Noah on that one. <laughs> People we will get on the show. Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, George Lazenby, if we can afford George it. Lazenby, when we get some better jobs. <laughs> Yes, my life goal right now is to get a job. Why do you want this job? So I can interview George Lazenby. <laughs> oh, I love this. We got this bomb covered with all these explosives. Let me just tap it with my steel-toed boot here, <laughs> kick it a few times. Yeah, he's like, tap, tap, let's get boom! <laughs> <laughs> and again, like that map, like back then when he's got... You know, the map showing the, the water where it will flood. Has he gone to his, like... Guys, we need to build a map showing our plan that can be easily discovered. We need to have flashy lights on it. Blinking red as well as blinking green. Yes. And the guy who brings it to him. Max, I've built this. No, the lights aren't red enough. <laughs> I said red more lights. Green. Not amber. Bang. You're fine. More green and more power. <laughs> more power. Back to Arnold. <laughs> More power. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I really don't care if James Bond jumps the shark. If with my next idea, but seriously, next Daniel Craig film, Arnold Schwarzenegger villain, <laughs> just has to happen. I just love that Zorin fired a gun, and Moore's like, "I'll throw a stool at him," and you could just see Zorin's expression, like, "Did you just throw a stool at me?" <laughs> it's like the Craig one when he throws the gun at him when he runs out of bullets. <laughs> throws a stool <laughs> I'm going to have a lump there you idiot <laughs> I mean he throws a stool honestly 
thanks once again, Austin Powers, for ruining James Bond. <laughs> Why is Mayday wearing like a Darth Vader or an Anakin Skywalker hood? <laughs> like, that evilness? Oh, you're evil because you're wearing a hood. I'm Darth Mayday. <laughs> Darth Mayday. <laughs> Karate. Hiya! <laughs> Darth Vader Karate Six. <laughs> Padme. <laughs> Apparently, Darth Vader's Rupert Bonham now. Uh, <laughs> Laura. He's not, he's not like the Frankenstein's monster. Oh, Padme. <laughs> Woman. <laughs> Woman. <laughs> I like sand everywhere. <laughs> then your animal from the Muppets back to David <laughs> Bowie. Magic no, man. no. <laughs> okay, right uh. now, I'm going to say this. I like this sequence, but we've had about five minutes of people walking around corners in a mine and then trucks uh. rolling back and forth and nothing else happening. It's such a throwback to the mining genre. I mean, it's just it's scene for scene. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Mayday, like, in drag queen makeup, though? Like, she's got, like, this weird eyebrow makeup thing going on. Does it make her more Probably evil? Is it? Yeah, maybe maybe drag queen. Maybe there's Careful. a drag queen villain genre. <laughs> <laughs> the first transgender. No, I'm not saying that. Hello, Grace, if you're listening. <laughs> we got into trouble in our last episode we did talking about Grace Jones and men and just no, Ben. Were those two men just holding hands, uh, the foreman here and somewhere? And I swear they were holding hands. Again, they're in San Francisco. <laughs> this is why we get in trouble, Ben. Stereotypes. <laughs> That's why no one listens to us. Nobody listens to San Francisco on this show. My man! We, we do want to say, yeah, made it, my man! <laughs> those men are loyal to you. <laughs> I love how it's like, it almost has like Jaws music there. Dun it, dun it, dun it. There's like 10 people around the one guy there. They love that guy. He's a good boss. <laughs> My man! He's so loyal to them because they all go around him. They're like, but, but a boss! <laughs> but, but the fisherman! <laughs> meanwhile, Bond and Stacy are just, there's no movement where they are. <laughs> my, my bond <laughs> my, my, my drag queen <laughs> my Stacey oh who gives a shit about her <laughs> hello Tanya again hey, love you here's a question Jenny Flex Mayday who is the third henchwoman there does she get a name in this um, Jenny Day. <laughs> is it like Miley's daughter or something? Like that's Christmas Jones's mother. It's an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Yeah, scene. see, like it's no different. Well, again, I don't love it or hate it. I just see it as like, okay, it's all right, but it's it's crazy to me that people think that this is so violent when Goldfinger did the same thing twenty years earlier. I mean, the thing is like. I would argue in Goldeneye with Zinnia's like mowing down everybody and you just kind of got that silence of the coffee dripping and then all of a sudden there's a one person who's alive and she's still doing it. Like, 
that's more brutal because it's, I guess, more realistic. I mean, is this more realistic? It's just shooting people yeah. in water. Like, this is like a video game right now. It's not like we're saying yeah. brain bits flying out and, you know, heads exploding. No, that's the gun barrel of Die Another Day. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's a bit of girl-on-girl action here, ripping some clothes off. <laughs> Padme and Attack of the Clones. <laughs> oh, oh. The day I hit puberty. <laughs> now it's Titanic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colin's favourite movie. Oh, shut up, Stacey. James! It's <laughs> <laughs> a Let me grab on the guy just been electrocuted and he still shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> He might not be dead. I better finish him off. <laughs> As if Roger Moore could swim at that age. <laughs> well, he's got like a life vest on under his windbreaker. <laughs> I want to be that guy. Who is that guy? We need to look him up. <laughs> guy with but flailing guy... arms and blood pack on chest. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Can we find the beating in my man guy? My man, what's his name? My man. My man. <laughs> what's his name? Is it Scar Pan? Is that the chief of security? Scar Pan? Well, he's not a security guy. He's like the mining foreman. Yeah, well. <laughs> that drained lake. Oh, no, my fish. Wouldn't that be easy to catch the fish? Wouldn't there be just dead fish on the ground and you could just pick them up? Yeah, like, where are all the dead fish? Mind Foreman, is that who he would be? Tony yeah. Sibold. How, how do you spell that? He's from he's from Alberta. He's Canadian. Oh, nice. Uh, he was in Superman 2. Oh, he died in 2011. Tony! Never think oh, about oh, us. Who did he play in Superman 2? He played Presidential Imposter. <laughs> oh, I remember the scene. I don't remember him going, but, 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 the vice president and my man! <laughs> He was also in Hackers. Hackers. Oh, I hate that movie. He played Jail Guard. Ooh, what a role that was. But but the prisoners and my man. <laughs> this is all he says in any of his movies. <laughs> his most famous role came in 1979 where he played Wilkins in The Golden Lady. <laughs> but but the lady and the gold. See, that was one of those uh, famous mining movies. Of that the was the mining genre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's here's Mayday's turn, which is this is pretty effective. I think they do a a good job of it, considering it's very random. But they've sold her and Zorin as just being so twisted and messed up, like this weird relationship where you would get that he would just go too far one day, and she's like, "Screw him! I'm gonna blow everybody up." Yeah. Jenny, the character. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Jenny Flex? Yeah. That's uh, that's the Della moment. Della Diddy! Jenny! And the monocle Is he going wee? Is that the pilot guy going wee? <laughs> <laughs> that's where he just said wee! So I now we have bl- to see if the mind foreman and Zoran do hold hands and if the pilot goes wee! I do think that, um... 
the blimp is an awesome vehicle. Like, there's just something about yeah. a blimp as being yeah. an evil <laughs> bastard machine. Like, you know, it it just signifies evil. Who 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 uses a blimp anyway? <laughs> like, we're the only evil people have ever travelled in a blimp. Like, you know, Goodyear, Zex. <laughs> but I mean, blimp to me is kind of like one of the most useless vehicles. Like, it's kind of just a death trap waiting to happen. You're flying below a well, massive ball of whatever the gas is inside. Hydrogen or whatever. This is also like his getaway vehicle. I mean, there's an eight-year-old on a bicycle down there on the street who's traveling faster than this blimp. Exactly, like the Air Force are surrounding him. Yeah. Like, you can't catch me. Yes, we can, Max. We've already got you. We have you surrounded, on foot mostly. <laughs> we'll be back. Back with the dogs. <laughs> in blimps. <laughs> dogs in blimps. <laughs> There's a genre film. Were they competitive <laughs> is... TV show for Angry Beavers? Yeah. This isn't actually a scene in James Bond. This is just how Roger Moore had to get around because he was so old. Yeah. <laughs> Grace, put me back into my trailer. <laughs> I can't walk. Hello, Roger, if you're listening. Sir Roger. Yeah, we also never call the show. Thanks for the retweet, Roger. <laughs> it's early in Britain. He's probably just waking up. Again, <laughs> <laughs> like, scenes in... This is, this is an episode. Scenes in James Bond that really could have turned bad quickly. Like, he accidentally sets off the explosive. Bang! All right, yeah. that's it. Thanks, well, I James. saw that other guy kicking with his boot. I'm sure it could take a few more. <laughs> I mean, is that the bomb? I mean, that looks like a stormtrooper's <laughs> helmet. <laughs> what is that? Oh, it looks, God, it she's still alive? Fun. I forgot about her. <laughs> the blimp very slowly making its way towards Stacy. <laughs> Move! No! Yes! Move! Move out of the way! No! <laughs> I just love the fact that, yeah, I mean, as much as I just talked up the blimp, it's kind of shit to get away in, because how long is this whole sequence taking, and they're still going to have time to get to the blimp? <laughs> I mean, if he had, like, an FA-18 Hornet, he'd be fucking in Los Angeles by now, like... That's a that's a web, that's a web series. That's like a YouTube series. You know, ways James Bond villains would have actually won. A don't use a blimp as a getaway vehicle. <laughs> don't fly it into the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> B don't tell. Don't leave models laying around that explain what you're about to do. <laughs> like seriously, yeah, maybe, yeah, he would have gotten away with it. <laughs> If he hadn't wasted so much money on all those models and everything, he may have been able to afford a private jet. <laughs> That's why you had to get the blimp, uh, Max. Yeah. Uh, we've got some bad news. Um, you know that jet we wanted? We kind of spent it all on the model, so we're going to have to go with a blimp. Oh, no, not Mayday. I, I do love that. Get Zard for me. I love that Jay's is still running after her. Yeah. I like her evil laugh as she's about to die. <laughs> Mayday. I wish she, like, she should stick a finger up at him as she blows up. 
Fuck you. Bang. Signal him with a karate chop. <laughs> Flashes of boobs. <laughs> Why is he, like, shocked and sad? I guess because the bomb didn't go off. But, I mean, he said a mayday. Like, you kind of just did leave her for dead a few minutes ago. Yeah. Oh, Stacey, shut up. Get, like, what is her purpose in this film? <laughs> at least Denise what is Richards had a role. Like, at least Denise Richards had something to do. In all honesty, like, we talked about how you didn't need to have Christmas Jones in that movie. But in this, you need her even less. Like, you at least have uh, Christmas Jones to explain nuclear physics to Bond. Oh, this is a plutonium rod, and this is what we could do. Oh, yeah. don't worry, it's not going to go nuclear. That's her only purpose. It's at least something. Do we need a geologist here to explain <laughs> this movie to Bond? The only thing she did is say, he's going to kill millions. You see, that line there that's green represents this fault. Like, we don't need that. Just say, oh, he's got a bomb. Lots of dynamite down there. People will die. Okay, got it. Thanks. <laughs> it's like you just Google if, that shit. <laughs> if, Chuck, <laughs> if Chuck had lived, he would have known the exact same thing. I love that scene there when she's like, Stacy, behind you again. The blip's moving so slowly. She could have just like, <laughs> okay, sorry. Get out of the way. That's one thing actually Anybody I didn't. expect like the opening credits of Full House to play there? <laughs> it's actually like, I thought, I didn't realize that the Golden Gate Bridge is actually a fair distance away from like where that part of San Francisco is. Like it is quite a distance away from the city. There's the other, the Bay Bridge, which is the one that connects mm. San Francisco to Oakland, which is also seen, but that's closer to the city than... Like, the Golden Gate Bridge is a fair distance away. We're just killing the geography of Bond movies here. <laughs> Casino Royale, there's no way his plane landed there, and then he's driving along a well, beach. And I you're... mean, again, going back to the blimp, if a blimp does not move that quickly that he's already near the Golden Gate Bridge from downtown San Francisco. Yeah. Like, I've been there once, but even I know that. <laughs> Look how far away it is. You can tell in that picture. <laughs> okay, and he's like, I know how to kill him. I'll fly this and us into the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> just take out a pair of scissors and chop the rope. <laughs> He needs odd job with his hat. <laughs> Max Zorin, creating ideas for September 11 since 1985. How about just fly it really low towards the water there and drown the man? <laughs> Look at him. Little... And he's waving. Who's he waving to? He's below them. Like, he can't even see Bond. So how is he waving to him? <laughs> And again, in what way has he achieved any part of his goal? He's just basically made James Bond anchor the frickin' blimp. Yeah, exactly. I think this is a good parking spot here. <laughs> more, more, more power! power. <laughs> more! Roger, more power! <laughs> Do it! <laughs> now, come on, that's Walken sounding. <laughs> That really now, is a again, strong rope, though. <laughs> why is none? Why are none of the cars below like breaking? Going, oh my god! Look, there's a giant blimp above <laughs> us, tangled in the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Take a look at the old man hanging from that blimp. <laughs> Love his old man groans. Oh! <laughs> again, as you just said a few minutes ago, get the scissors out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's that going to achieve, Stacy? Seriously. 
And okay, this Monaco guy, does the movie ever really explain who he is and what his purpose is? The Monopoly guy! <laughs> <laughs> We're here to take down Boardwalk and Park Place after a reduced Silicon Valley. <laughs> Oh, I swear we seem to relate every single one of these films recently to Brendan Fraser, but does this not just remind <laughs> you of George of the Jungle when he has to rescue that guy in the parachute from the bridge in San Francisco? <laughs> oh, man. The one George, uh, Brendan <laughs> Fraser movie I try to forget. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with George of the Jungle? Oh, not a fan of that one. John Cleese is in that movie. There's a connection to James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I remember not being very familiar with John Just drop her! Drop her! When he- <laughs> But when John Cleese was cast, um, like, I hadn't seen Faulty Towers until I was a little bit older. And when John Cleese was cast in Die Another Day, um, like, uh, is that the guy from George of the Jungle? (laughs) Can we just back up here to your idea with the scissors? He's had an axe this whole time. Yeah, the whole time. (laughs) One swing of the axe. That's it, Christopher Walken. That's all you had to do. (laughs) And you win a view to a kill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fall, fall, drop, drop, yes! Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Meanwhile, monocle guy. Why That's are these cars not stopping? Yeah. <laughs> oh, now it is crazy that they did the stunt from up there for real. I mean, not oh, yeah. all the footage. But yeah. it's, it's very clever the way that they filmed this in different, like, Sometimes they would have guys on a prop, and sometimes it was blue screen, and then sometimes it was the real stuntman. But it, it makes you you look at these scenes, and you're like, well, that's spectacular. You really can't replace doing a stunt for real. Even here, say. he's laughing. At his I own love death. it when he's laughing and he's dying, but I love old man yeah. Monocle. Max! Max! Yeah. He could have survived that. Uh, and is it crazy that, like, it, it became a Bond tradition that the henchman is the last one left standing, even after the villain. You know, we saw it with uh, Jaws and Tee and um, uh, Baron Sandy and everything. Uh, <laughs> this really is evidence that they cast the oldest henchman imaginable because the villain's death, we end on a climax of Monopoly Man versus Bond. <laughs> um, it becomes suicidal. All of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, does Dynamite actually look like that? Like in an Acme Roadrunner cartoon? <laughs> like, Oh, well, now the axe works, sure. And again, no cars have stopped. Again, it's 2017. People are filming this on their phones. But there's about to be the biggest explosion in San Francisco <laughs> ever since the gay movement of the 70s. And then bang! <laughs> like, would that not cause a scene? <laughs> I think on top of that, most of the cars would have been hit by the debris. Well, exactly. The giant like, condom. There's no cars are still stopping. They're driving. Hit the brakes. A blimp is very slowly <laughs> dropping towards us, burning. This is a city in San Andreas that gets what, blown up by earthquakes. In Godzilla that gets destroyed by <laughs> Godzilla. Like, I mean... <laughs> I love that. There's never a cab when you want one. This is the final scene of... Roger Moore's James Bond we're about to see here. Oh, I never thought I'd say this, but it's kind of sad. Why have we started were... on his last one, not his first one? Yeah. Like, you were I feel like, like we never so... knew you, Roger. <laughs> you were so critical of Roger Moore when we started this podcast. No! Turn around. And you're like, oh, I love Roger. You're, you're <laughs> like, if, you, if I have lunch with three people, Roger Moore or the quiche would be one of them. 
There's just some charm about him. I guess I was... Oh, look how old she looks there. Jesus, Graham Gatchin <laughs> went up, like... Sorry. Sorry, Lois. Rest in peace. You're like, um, just drop dead of natural causes already, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's the last scene of Lois Maxwell we're going to have, and it's just her wiping a tear away. She's like, I can't believe I'm so old and doing these movies. <laughs> Meanwhile, Maybe I'll RV. be the next M. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lol, joke. I love how they are still surprised to this day that Bond is having sex with a girl that just, like, met. Like, you would think after about ten of these surprise appearances, oh, there's just James getting another STD. Yeah. Oh, cue the dirty old perv. No, what would have been the best, like, you know, keeping the British end up line to end off on the, like, uh, Bond, what are you doing? Getting my geological rocks off cue. <laughs> yes. Getting my rocks off with a giant... <laughs> Just checking in on some pussy. (laughs) (laughs) That dirty little look he has in his face. Yeah, he's like, oh, there's our James. That's how he gets porn in the 80s. (laughs) He's zooming in. (laughs) Roger Moore does not get a final line in his final scene. He's his last line in James Bond. There's never a cab when you need one. Yeah. There we go. Oh, David Yip. Hey, let's see. Can we find our guy here? Our, my man guy. Uh, what was his name again? Whistling Girl. <laughs> There's Lachine Jerome. Mind Foreman. Tony Sabal. There he is. Tony let's Sabal. Cl- let's close off a view to a kill with this San Francisco tourism video. <laughs> I actually have never liked the, the shots and credits. I know they were doing this with, like, For Your Eyes Only and Moonraker and everything, but... Just this montage. It's it's a very 80s thing to do, this <laughs> montage of clips. And it never suited Bond, I don't think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it legitimately is. Like, look how beautiful the Golden Gate Bridge is. Yeah. The drivers are still not stopping. There's a dead body and a blown-up <laughs> blimp just in the water right now. Oh, shit, we're quick. We're going to get to work. Full house is about to start. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> What what was their um what was their last name? Were they the Tanners? Am I thinking Tanner? Tan- Tanners? Yeah, Tanners. <laughs> Tanner, there's a Bond reference. It's Tanner's family. It's San Francisco. DJ. What, what is the what is this river that the bridge is over? The San Francisco River. <laughs> you don't know the name. The Golden Gate River. <laughs> um, you think I'd know that? But um, yeah. <laughs> I've been there once, Colin. We've already learned in this episode that it it was too far for Ben to travel the Golden Gate Bridge. He just didn't have the stamina to get there. Um, I mean, it's the one that Alcatraz is in. (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't we have seen Bond on Alcatraz? Well, actually, it would have been pretty cool. I mean, he's there. He may as well have gone. I'm sure he went there. Well, we saw Sean Connery on The Rock. Close enough. When I actually went to Alcatraz, they've got a section there where they've got, like, you know, all films and TV shows that are set here, and there's a whole big thing on The Rock and Sean Connery. Oh, well, they thank the mayor and city of San Francisco. Good on them. Chevron, USA. James Bond will return, in brackets, not Roger Moore. (laughs) (laughs) And space! Roger Moore is still alive. Like, look at how old he is here. I don't, this isn't a criticism, but, like, he was 57 years old here. And this movie is now, what did you say, 30, 
32 years old. Yep. 32 years old. So Roger Moore would be 89. And he's on Twitter active with his fans. Like, that's amazing. He turns 90 this year. So, wow. A lot of people often say who will be the first James Bond to die, and they always go to Sean Connery. Kind of maybe think it might be Sir Roger, sadly. But having said yeah. that, Sean Connery, the last public appearance that was at the US Open last year, he looked pretty bad. Like, he's not looking. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm trying to be nice here, but like, he's looking very he frail. The last time he was in a movie was legitimately 14 years ago. I mean, he's not going to look the same. But he like like Google it if you've never seen it. Look up Sean Connery. No, Connor. I saw you, it. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of sad, but I guess that's what happens. People get old, so you know. Well, some people do. But anyway, uh, <laughs> anything more to say on Sir Roger's last appearance before we randomly choose something else? Thanks to Andrew Hedges. No, I think uh, this <laughs> We've was. Covered it. Uh, yeah, uh, my well Tchaikovsky today. been tickled to a great I think we stayed on topic quite <laughs> well today. So We did. The most we've ever stayed on topic while being in separate rooms. Exactly. Here, here. Here, here, Roger says. All right. Um, we will say that our next episode actually will be our 50th episode. Somehow we've lasted. Don't know how. It's uh, only a it's only a number. So just like the 50th anniversary of James Bond, we will be doing something with throwbacks and callbacks. We, we don't actually know. We legitimately came up with this idea about three hours ago before we started recording this. <laughs> so um, our next episode will be something to do with celebrating 50th episodes, but our 51st episode, no doubt, will be another commentary, and we are going to discover what that will be. So this is what our... Uh, this is our seventh commentary we've now done. So we're... Not even halfway yet. We've got plenty to cover. Uh, so Not even a third of the way yet. As usual, I've gone to andrew.hedges.name, forward slash experiments, forward slash random, forward slash original, HTML. And I'm about to randomize this. We do not want to see the numbers 1, 6, 14, 15, 19, 20, or 21. And these are only the official ones. We are yet to put in the hat the other ones. All right. Are we ready for this? What do, we, what do you want here? What are you feeling here, Colin? What do you want? Um, well, I mean, we've covered all the actors, um, you haven't done a Connery, it would be fun to do a Connery one, uh, um, maybe, well, we did a Craig, um, mm-hmm. going back to Craig would be good, if we could maybe get Quantum of Solace, something that we could have a bit of fun with, <laughs> basically anything but License to Kill, if this comes up License to Kill, I am not available, <laughs> perhaps I- of 51. I'd like to do Spectre, but again, I guess we've talked so much about Spectre. People are like, stop talking about Spectre. All right, I'm pressing this button now. We have got... Oh, fuck. I seriously press it. It's number 24. Do we want to not do 20? <laughs> I'm not even joking. I've legitimately pressed it, and it's okay, gone to number 24. We'll edit this out because Spectre... Yeah, Spectre needs to be... We've done a Spectre. We'll edit again, this I'm not even editing that. I just do that. It's funny. All right, we're doing this okay. again. This is what people don't realize is this is how we end all of our commentaries. Yes. Like every single week, it's like, no, we're not doing Spectre. Come on, it's always twenty four. <laughs> again, like I, I would like to do it, but yeah, we've done too much Spectre recently. That we'll save that. All right, let's press it again. Number nine, the man with the golden gun. Oh, hmm. there we go. Yeah, we'll take that. All right, all right, I, that, cool. <laughs> seriously, so many things about that movie. I would rank in my favorite things of Bond without the movie being great. Like, one of the best henchmen, one of the best villains. I love the song. Um, mm-hmm. And even the Bond girl, like Mary Goodnight, I, I defended her to the death 
in that episode. And I'm going to defend her again in the commentary. Like, I love Mary Goodnight, and she gets such such a bad rep, but she's such an entertaining Bond girl. They're not all going to be geniuses. And Britt Eklund's comic timing is amazing, that movie. She works so well off Roger Moore, and that, that needs so much more credit. No, she sucks. But we get the snake and the mongoose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for that. Sheriff GW. Ah, uh, yes. I, I like, as I, that's what I mentioned before, wasn't it? The Man with the Golden Gun is the one that I enjoyed and I didn't get why I didn't. And I'm with you. I like the song. Um, you know, of course, Ben would like that song. So, um, <laughs> yeah, stay, that will be episode 51. We'll do a special one for 50. Uh, as always, 007.wordpress.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Again, we've got a couple of ratings out there. We appreciate that. Thank you. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Send us money to get George Lazenby on the show, or at least email us to say that you've got money. But don't just email us and be like, haha, I've got money, but I don't want George Lazenby on the show. That would just be mean, all right? Just don't rub it in. But uh, yes, and uh, Roger, if you're listening, quite illuminating to do this episode, and we will get to do another one very, very soon. And uh, I can't wait until Man with the Golden Gun next time, and. Uh until then, my Tchaikovsky made it in my man and more, more power. The name is Bond. James Bond. Is he? Are you? Yes. And I'm Dick Tracy and you're still under arrest. I'm Jenny Flex. Of course you are. I've been waiting for you to take care of me personally. You slept well? A little restless, but I got off eventually. You amuse me, Mr. Bond. It's not mutual. Come on, Luke! Get a wig on! It's women's lip. They're taking over the Teamster. Mr. St. John Smith. St. John Smith. Mr. Smith. St. John Smith. St. John Smith. By the way, the name is St. John Smith. James. Where's the fire? On your rear end. Hey, voila. Quiche, they cabinet. Sounds interesting. What is it? A moment. Mm. When you're ready, Tibbet. Come along, Tibbet. Stop wheezing. Mm. <sighs> well, don't stand there panting, Tibbet. Start the unpacking. Oh, my lord, Tibbet. Look at the state of my clothes. How on earth do you pack my bags? Sorry, sir. It's a damned obsequious. What the devil's wrong with these shoes? I don't know how long you expect to remain in my employ. What would you be without us? Biological experiment? <laughs> a physiological freak? I'm happiest in the saddle. More! More power! He's a psychopath. But Mayday and my men! Yeah, a convenient coincidence. And I thought that creep loved me! She must take a lot of vitamins. There's never a cab when you want one. If you can get through to Howard's office, you'll find him dead. Yeah, we found him and we found this gun. This yours? Yes, thank you. Polar Ivanova. James Bond. Tickle my Tchaikovsky. Oh, Jane.